0: Come forward, fine fellows. Our task is nigh completed, ere we reach and topple the monstrosity. It doth threaten the sanctity of the world, and to strike it down would be the greatest service that could render unto the oppressed peasantry. Verily, our path would be made easier to tread if only the foul Caldpol would but stop
1: his witless wormish servants from daunting the task.
2: Forsooth. Wilt thou join me in assailing this last bastion, o oh, the marauders? Tis not but time to end their liverish lives and open up their masters lairs to our noble craft.
3: Aye, the time for our full son's assemblage to outmatch the doltish lizard's spawn is nigh, I trow.
1: Hearken to mine words, comrades. T's blood! The creature's strength is not so easily brought low. Wilt thou in thine help me to shape a curse unto it?
2: Truly, the wordplay at our command shall not be underdone by any monstrosity, no matter how spectacular it doth seem.
3: As thee and thine words art shaped, so shalt I release them unto the fore. Fiends, thou dolt, thou puny mayfly, thou lump of awful, thou idiot, puling, mouseling, the fantasies of manhood, reeking, filthy, barbarous son of a camel thou dost defoul... Egad. <laughs> <laughs> I am slain!
0: I fear, my noble comrades, that cursing an easily bored Hellspawn doth augur ill for our continued existence. Mayhaps others with less untrammeled verbiage shall succeed where we had failed. <laughs> Wrap on
1: your swords, ready your spells. You're about to enter the heart of a dungeon filled with computer and console RPGs from way back when, right up through yesteryear. To get you through this maze that's dripping with danger, we've gathered the best men and women from RPGamer to watch your back. Some of you have never entered this area before. You're in for quite a fight. For others, this return visit can only be described as an RPG backtrack. Here are the party leaders for this expedition, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. Welcome to RPG Backtrack. This is the big 5-0, number 50, Mr. Minky. We have crossed the threshold. This is... Okay, should we
3: use the... the, No. What is the centenary word for a half-century milestone? Because this is obviously not our bicentennial, it's not our centennial, it's just our... Something centennial. Half centennial? No, it's a it's a Latin word, of course, and I don't remember it right now because I never took Latin.
1: Sorry, man. Ban- I schooled off for dead languages. And uh, and so now you and you and I, we kind of took the reins of RPG uh, backtrack uh, back in. Oh, well, March three, two thousand and ten, I think, was the first one you and I did together, number eleven, Metrodania, according to the records here. So we've been going on for about, jeez, what is that, a year and a half? Sounds getting close cool. to that, yeah, yeah, getting close to there. Sixteen months, I think. What? What makes us? Oh, uh, uh, let me ignore our two guests tonight. Tonight we have with <laughs> us the the very famous host of the RPG Sanctum, Mr. Roy Burnett.
2: Hello, everyone.
1: And Mr. Nathan
0: Shlumpin' something. It's slothin'. please do me repeat myself every podcast. Yeah. Just every
1: one. Um, so, so, <laughs> so, Mike, why do we continue this insanity?
3: Obviously we've got a fire in our blood that cannot be quenched by any means except just yammering about games we played a while back that have since become trampled by the ravages of time and we just have to unravel them have they braved the sands of time well or have they been pounded into the ground so thoroughly that no one would
1: ever wish to grab them out of a boot heel and look at them again and that's a great analogy because we're going to be talking about a few games tonight that's really going back in time and uh, we will be weighing them on the scales of such to see how well they measure out we're talking about. given this series, I would say more remakes are a very high likelihood. Uh I don't know. I, I almost cringe at the thought. So we're talking about Dragon Quest 1 through 3. And, uh, and then later on, we're going to be talking uh, some Baldur's Gate number 2, because we already covered number 1 at some point in the past, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, we got a lot of juicy, big, fat chunks of RPG history to talk about today. What do you think about that, Mr. Roy?
2: Sounds like it's going to be
0: fun.
1: Roy sounds pumped and excited. Mr. Nathan, how, how, are you ready to go?
0: This is a big nostalgia trip for me, so yeah.
1: Alrighty. Well, let's take a dive into this pool of nostalgia. When We come right back after this really, really great, it was it, 8-bit? What, Dragon Quest 1, 2, 8-bit, right? We're going to take a, 8-bit. yeah, we're going to listen to some 8-bit soundtrack action. We'll be right back. kick this party off with Dragon Quest number one. This is a console RPG experience developed by Armor Project. I don't even know who they were. Published by Square Enix. <laughs> formerly Enix. Back in the day it was Enix. I remember seeing the big Enix logo on, on uh, Dragon Quest 4 when I played that one. Um, this was first released May 27th, 1986. That's probably the Japanese <laughs> release day. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't say on... I think the North American release date was eighty nine. Hmm. I'll have to do a little digging. For some reason it's not showing it on our on our usually dependable uh, wiki page. How rude! <laughs> How dare they not give us complete information? Um,
2: Although speaking of Wikipedia, filled the the word "jub" was searching for according to Google was "Jubilee."
1: Oh wait a minute! That's oh the first oh we're talking are we talking about Dra- this is Dragon Warrior right? Yeah, Dragon
4: Quest One is yep. Dragon Dra- Warrior. Oh, okay, yeah.
1: I I wasn't it a Dungeons and
3: Dragons trademark that made Dragon Quest inadmissible for a long time?
0: Not Dungeons and Dragons. It's actually some rival game that's just actually called Dragon Warrior, or is it Dragon Quest? I think that's actually both these days for random tabletop RPGs. Those names.
2: Well, the, 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 there was a tabletop game that used the Dragon Quest name, then they trademarked it in the in the Western world before the. Uh, before the Dragon Warrior series came out here, and then they weren't able to use the Dragon Quest name until 8, when that company, when that brand name for board game went out of business.
3: Which was not until the PS2 era, so we're talking Dragon Warrior for a while.
1: So, uh, and according to uh, Game Facts, Dragon Warrior was released here in America August of 89. So that's about 22 years ago, if I can't give or take a month. And um, well, now we're in August now, so it's pretty much right on. Uh, so, a single-player console RPG experience rated E for everybody, or I, I think that's it should. Rating? be...
4: ratings? Yeah. It's an NES game. I didn't the, know any of those
1: are rated.
3: Well, rated, okay, well, Ra- rated. The Game Boy Color. Well, yeah, rated uh, them The Game Boy Color
1: version was res rated. The Game Boy Color. that makes sense. I think that's the one you played, right? It is. So, aren't but you I happy? Know a lot of
3: people played. That The original game that Nintendo gave a really grandiose localization to. <laughs> well, aren't you glad to know, though, that the one that you played was rated E for everybody? Oh, yes, because I am a sensitive soul, and if I had played something with more dangerous elements to it, I might well have run screaming into the night and never come back.
4: Mm.
1: So... I um, uh, did either one of. Uh, did, I know Mike played it on the Game Boy Color, but I have curiosity. Did any of y'all play it on the original Nintendo around the time that it came out?
0: I did actually. That was my. It's my very first RPG. Playing Ooh. Dragon Quest on my NES. Uh, I'm not going to do
1: the weird time warp sounds that they did at the Sony E3 conference or anything like that. That was kind of embarrassing. Um, but my, no, that wasn't Sony. That was. Oh, I forget which console it was, but that was really weird. Um, why don't you take us back in time, Nathan, and, and tell, us, tell us about that journey.
0: Um, well, in many ways, it was short and tragic. After buying the game from a friend's garage sale, that neighbor's garage sale, I believe, I played it, and I played it, and I was terrible at it. Utterly terrible. Just a first-grader, no wait, second-grader, yeah, second-grader playing the game. I had no idea what I was doing. Didn't have much patience for it. I barely made it to the second town. And then I magically discovered a safety data I didn't know existed, which was a bit past that point. I went much further. Apparently my big selling block in the very first game was buying a copper sword. Go figure.
1: <laughs> it would be hard oh. to, indeed, to get anywhere without a sword. <laughs> mm. So, uh, Mr. Minky... You got to experience this a little bit later on on the Game Boy. How Tell us about your journey.
3: Well, let's see here. I played this during a semester in junior college when I had lengthy gaps between each class. Which is actually perfect for playing the original Dragon Quest because it's not a very long game. And I... I'm trying to remember if I was able to take it in one go or if I had to try a couple of times in succession, but I definitely finished it. I remember that part. I remember also the original Dragon Quest is one of the founding fathers of the great JRPG trend of grinding, because if you do not grind, you will not win. It is as simple as that, especially since you are, there's only one character, there's Not much strategy here. You are either strong enough to beat the enemy or you are not, and you die.
1: And, I mean, back in those days – and people who listen to the show a lot will hear me criticize various elements of RPGs out there, especially more modern ones. Back in those days – Uh, It would you really couldn't fit too much on the cartridges and stuff your your console RPGs didn't come with a whole bunch of text heck even the PC RPGs they had to give you these journal books that you would read as you went along because they really couldn't fit a whole lot on the disc so it was understandable in order to kind of you know pad out the experience in between you know the chapters or whatever have you there would be a quite a bit of time consuming grinding.
0: Yeah, it's like the original Dragon Quest was basically one big grind. I mean, that's why I kind of wore my patience out when I was a, you know, a second grader. <laughs> uh. But still, I always lo- talking about manuals. So I loved the original Dragon Quest manual. I probably had more fun reading that manual as a kid than actually playing the game. I read it from front to end over and over. It's like it's one of those kind of great manuals that you just don't see these days. All the detail of all of the items, give this kind of big, elaborate telling of the story, and of things that you don't even know in the game unless you actually read the manual. Mm. And then it gives you a complete walkthrough of the entire game, which is fun.
1: <laughs> because, uh, you know, they were probably a little concerned bringing that out to America, that we, whether or not our mainstream console audience would actually be able to get through it. <laughs> Did the manual
3: have any illustrations of the original Toriyama artwork, or was it all
0: text? I think it's all... I, can't remember if there's any Toriyama artwork. I don't recall it. I know there's a lot of non-Toriyama artwork they threw in for various bits of it.
3: Well, I can sort of understand that because in 89, Dragon Ball Z hadn't even come out yet and Toriyama was not known outside of Japan. So it it wouldn't have been the same marketing pull that it does now.
0: Yeah, and this is still the same era where they kind of changed the Mega Man covers because they were nervous about anime art on video game covers and...
4: At least yes, it so better better the
3: better. first Mega Man cover was in North America. Oh
1: gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful, man. I love that cover. So, uh, <laughs> so, Mister Mister Mickey, were you? How did you feel about the uh, the grinding aspect of the game?
3: Since I more or less knew what to expect, I was not a complete novice to the idea of Dragon Quest when I took this game on. I knew what I was doing. I Went around, ground a lot, did the tasks that I was able, ground some more. And, again, since the game is very short, the Game Boy Color version has uh, streamlined it enough that I think I was able to win in under four hours, and I was probably taking my time. Whoa, that is short. Again, it's even with the grinding, it's not a long game at all. I understand that the original Japanese version uh, for the Famicom Had no save feature. That was something Nintendo was kind enough to grant us in North America, though. Wow. Wow. Instead, it had a password.
1: Oh, no. Not the The infamous password. Yeah, the RPG password. (laughs) Only 40 characters long, and it's really hard to tell (laughs) the difference between the capital letters and lowercase letters and the zeros and the O's.
0: I uh, has so many horrible memories of passwords from old RPGs. <laughs> does,
2: it, does anyone remember the infamous like seven-page password from transferring your data from Golden Sun 1 to Golden I Sun I remember
3: 2? it. I wrote I, it down so that I would never have to write it down again, and I still have that piece of paper because it's worth its
0: weight in uh, something really valuable, maybe platinum. <laughs> I actually just transferred it over via cable, thankfully. Because, I, because of that password, I never actually replayed the original game to transfer data. I just used that one original thing I used the cable for, because it's so much better used the one data.
3: If I had found someone else with a GBA at the time, I certainly would have taken advantage, but I didn't know anyone at the time. Everybody else was playing the Halo instead of anything on the GBA. <laughs> Poor you. I think Golden Sun is a little off-base from Dragon Quest, though. Just a little.
4: Mm-mm-mm.
3: Well, let's see. The first game...
1: Hey, guess what? There's a dragon at the end of it. Oh, jeez.
0: Well, a dragon lord, basically.
1: So, this, uh, this one managed to make it out, I believe, before Final Fantasy, right? In, yeah, North, American, in yes. North America? It's,
0: well, worldwide, actually. I think in Japan, Final Fantasy came around Dragon Quest... Two or three, I think I two. The yeah, Fall Fantasy. Quest two are contemporaries.
3: For a while, the Dragon Quest games were coming out really fast, and then everything slowed down once the PS One era hit.
0: Yeah, I think that's the same for Fall Fantasy.
1: Well, it's no wonder when they're only four hours long. <laughs> 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 I mean, those 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 were the days where you could get away with much smaller development teams and uh crank out shorter games like that and I mean you're partly limited anyways by the by the hardware.
3: Yeah, and well this was, a... was an early Nintendo release. The Game Boy Color had no problem reproducing it.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: but I understand again I didn't play it on the Nintendo but looking at some of the stills this was the only early Dragon Quest game where you actually had backgrounds when you fought instead of black screens.
0: This is true.
1: Yeah, this is true. Yeah. I mean if you look at the uh you're looking at the Nintendo, it's 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 very it's it's very colorful, especially for an RPG. And I mean there was plenty of RPGs that came after it which used those bloody black lazy butt backgrounds.
0: <laughs> Probably memory save just a way to save data and limits the power of it, so that Ineus isn't quite being so strange displaying them.
1: Yeah, heaven forbid. I'm looking at wizardry over here in my corner of my eye, you know. Okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and also it should be noticed that the original Dragon Warrior backgrounds were much prettier than the equivalents they had in the Final Fantasy games, for example. It's just a little bit row of repeated patterns. They're pretty richly animated colored stuff in the original Dragon Warrior.
1: Yeah, you're, yeah, that's right. It does look a lot, uh, definitely a lot more colorful and vibrant than the, uh, well, heck, actually it looks like an improvement over the later Dragon Quest games. <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> and And again, we're yeah. judging Dragon um, Quest, the original, by the standards of 25 years
3: later, for 1986, there was nothing really to compare it to, especially in the JRPG
1: market. Nah, you didn't. You didn't even really have a JRPG market before it
0: came out. It was the JRPG. It market. was the JRPG
1: market, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it's it's a great thing that we're talking about this on our 50th episode because we're kind of going back to where it all started.
2: <laughs> at least, yeah. The, J- I, I think the only other major RPG at the time for either any type of video game RPG at the time was Ultima, wasn't it?
3: And my I, Ultima and the Wizardry series, and
1: well, and of course my Goldbox series. But I mean, were any of
3: those on the
0: Rogue Pack and stuff? But were
1: any of those on the consoles? You know, around that time, did they did they come out well after this?
0: Well, I think there's an Ultima game which had very Dragon Quest-like graphics, but that's all I can think of.
1: And Let's take a... I'll do a little research real fast because uh, I'm kind of curious when it... Because, I mean, I, I know Ultima and Wizardry did make its way. Heck, even uh, Pools of Radiance made its way to the Nintendo. But I think that was well after... Um, after Dragon uh, Warrior had made its mark. Could be wrong. PC, let's see, NES, NES. Should I, should I mention the combat system of Dragon Warrior 1?
3: Well, since it's you against another monster, it's always single combat. There's not a whole lot of strategy, really.
0: Yeah, it's basically it's attack until then he kills it. you.
3: Yeah.
2: The <laughs> w- <laughs> w- 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 strategy entirely consists of whack it.
0: Ooh, and and, the hurt and more use the heal spell whenever you can. I love the spell names. It's hurt, hurt more, heal, heal <laughs> more.
1: Ooh. February 1989 for Ultima Exodus. Ah. So that sounds like it was before... I have a short to marry. When did I say Dragon Quest came out? (laughs) August
0: 89.
1: Yeah, so Ultima did beat it out the door.
0: Well, in the U.S. market at least.
1: In the U.S. market, yeah. I'm going to go take a look at some screenshots of Ultima.
3: (laughs) And since we're talking about the first game and something that has stuck with the series ever since, being killed does not give you a game over. That's nice. You just lose half your money.
0: Yeah, because it happens often, especially early on.
1: <laughs> and it's a it's a great tradition that lives on to this day. <laughs> uh, in most yeah, of Drag- yeah, I don't think any of the Dragon Quest games you get a game over. Could be wrong though. I'm sure somebody Yeah, even those on dramatic
0: that. moments if you get killed, you can still just hop right back and continue where you were.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, that's, that's, that's something that Mr. Max Storm never fails to comment on. That that's one of the reasons he plays that series and not a lot of other ones because he do- he at least feels like that his time isn't totally wasted if he does have a party wipe.
4: Yeah, However, it's like also, even,
2: even the newest ones still continue the grand tradition of only being able to save at churches and not on the overworld map.
4: da da da, da. Yeah, and, especially well, in it's better than the first game. Was, just...
3: was the there only first... one? No, there were a couple of towns in the first game, right? I can't remember. There were right a couple
0: of towns in the first game, but you can only save at the castle.
3: <laughs> yep, gotta go back to the beginning of the game every time you want to save.
0: Fortunately, it's not far, but...
2: Yeah the... well, yeah. I, I think there point. was just two towns and then the final dungeon, wasn't it?
3: Or no, the there's... one
0: and only dungeon, wasn't
3: it? I think there was a third town.
0: There's at least three or four towns, and a ruined town, and a couple of different, several different dungeons. It's bigger than that.
1: Well, I would say, you know, this is a really, really... at four hours to get through for Mr. Minky. Uh, that, this seems like to be a really great way to jump into, you know, some really good JRPG history. I mean, holy cow. Get that for your Game Boy Color. Is is it alpha is it like a downloadable virtual console title or anything?
3: No, although the Japanese market is seeing a Wii re release of the first three games. But whether we will see that outside of Japan is indeterminate and hard to say at this point, really. I, I don't know well,
2: if I know, – You know, Phil, Phil, we may get it as part of the NES uh, things on the ambassador. That's package. right. On well,
1: my ambassador, pra- you know, packaging now, but, you know, we need to have a sidebar on that. They talked about an RPG cast. I wish I could have been on that show. I'm stuck in kung fu class now every Saturday morning, so I don't get to go to the RPG uh, uh, cast shows anymore. But uh, I, you know, they were talking about that. I was like, eh, I wanted to jump in on that because I got a 3DS. So, but, um, but I digress. Maybe we'll talk about the end of the show a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I don't know whether or not I would want to play all three. I guess we'll talk some more about the other two, and maybe I'll have an idea after you guys educate me. But looking at yeah, one I would, and...
3: I would say that the Game Boy Color versions are not going to be up for download anytime soon because the way of Square Enix of late has been to remake them, and why not remake them for the 3DS sometime? Oh, jeez. <laughs> clearly, Dragon Quest 1 needs to be in 3D. That, uh-huh. That's obvious to everyone, right? Oh, my goodness. More God.
0: likely, we get a good iPhone remake like they did in Fantasy 2 II and 3 using oh, their yeah. PSP graphics. Mm. Well, you
2: know, there was one thing I was hearing, Mike, is that um, the 3D, uh, the NES games they showed originally when they debuted the 3DS, when they put the 3D effect on, they actually said they actually looked rather neat with the 3D on.
4: Okay,
3: Uh, I'll have to take whoever said that's word for it, because Jagged Pixels poking my eye don't sound particularly appealing, but maybe (laughs) I'm imagining it wrong.
1: What, What looks good with the 3D turned on?
2: The old NES games. Uh, so,
1: so. I mean I've been playing the Excite Bike. That was a free that was a free download. I haven't actually paid for any of the uh uh classic NES games yet, but um since I'm an ambassador I won't have to pay too much. Um, <laughs> 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 I like, I'm gonna go around just i I'm just gonna go around and tell people I'm an ambassador. <laughs> um, anywho, um Bike was cool. I mean, but it's like 30 seconds of, ooh, ah, look at that. I played through once and I realized why I stopped playing the NES and I go back and I play something modern. It's just, unless, I mean, Excitebike was cool and it's, it's fun to, you know, pull it up every now and then. But it's not something I want to, the 3D doesn't all of a sudden take it from, you know, from being an old nostalgic game to, ooh, ah, I've got to play this every chance I get now. It's just. Yeah, you know, if you got the 3D effect on a 3DS, it's really cool. I've been playing Ocarina of Time. Now that's, you know, really demonstrates the 3D uh, rather well. And it's it's definitely... That game
2: is so pretty with the 3D on
1: Oh, you know, it pops out at you. But it's, it, you know, but if you're not careful, after about 10 minutes you even forget it's there. It's like, oh, wait, I'm playing in 3D. Let me look away, look back. Oh, wow, that's cool. <laughs> anyway, um, is there anything else you all want to say about the first one?
0: Um, um... I Whoa.
1: Can't, 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 can't. Whoa! Nathan, hold on one second, we're going to you, reset your phone call here. S- had a little bit of a problem with the connection there, but we'll get him back.
0: Try again, Nathan. Um, okay. Uh. One thing I want to say about the recent trying quest is that, other than the grinding, it's actually kind of interestingly non-linear in some ways. You've got the very... Per- outside the game, you can see this kind of do-this quest. It's like, it's very open to what you need to do from the very beginning of the game, and you just... So there's the game kind of going around to different areas, doing what you need to do, finding different items in different dungeons, and so often in non-linear ways. It's like, I kind of miss that about some of the very earliest NES games weren't terribly linear, but um, after the things in a way that a lot more games more recently are. I
3: can chime in with an agreement to that. I remember you get a direction, there's an evil dragon and it's menacing our kingdom, and then you're set loose. Are you going to get the dragon? Well, you just have to find
1: out. Well, but but in a way, it's linear, because if you go too far off the beaten track, that level 82 lich will just snap you back into the right place. Like, oh,
4: oh
3: Ren. level 82 in this game. I think the top level you reach is... Uh,
1: Twenty five thirty. You remember? Yeah. Now? I, I'm, I'm. just saying though. If you if you're in the beginning town at level one, and the monsters around the town are level one to two, if you go too far off, let's say you're supposed to go to the second town, but instead you accidentally start heading to the third town, you'll get hit with level twenty cougars that will quickly ream you a new one, and you'll be like, oh wait, I should go in that direction.
0: Thankfully, the original Dragon Quest solves this brilliantly with "do not cross bridges unless you are ready." I love the simplicity of that. <laughs>
1: So I, I when I hear people complain about the linear, linearity, I guess of some of the some of the tiles that come out today, like Final Fantasy, whatever it was, thirteen or fourteen or whatever we're up to now, it's like, come on, guys, what what, what games have you been playing? <laughs> this has been this way since I don't know, since I started playing console RPGs. <laughs>
0: uh, you have not played Final Fantasy thirteen, then it's a different <laughs> order of magnitude of linearity.
1: Yeah, it still feels. I mean, yeah, the walls are there rather than the you know. But I guess with other games, it's like the illusion of open. I think we talked about this on Sanctum. I'm getting like a
4: – Yeah. <laughs> I'm
1: getting deja like vu. deja vu. But um, oh well, a uh, different, different group of listeners here. But but for me, even like Dragon – I mean I didn't jump in into any of this until Dragon Quest 4 um, and whatnot. But even there, if you just didn't go to the right towns in the right order, you just weren't going to get anywhere. Or worse yet, you'd get snapped back in shape by some monster that's tougher than you. I, I don't know. I, I guess it's kind of like the illusion of freedom in my opinion, but – yeah, with, with Final Fantasy XIII, there's no illusion. It's the walls are there. You have to go straight through where they want you to go because you have nowhere else you can go even if you wanted to. So. Yeah,
0: I'll, I'll admit to sequence breaking Dragon Quest IV, but I suppose it's the subject with a different RPG backtrack.
1: So any other yeah. thoughts on the it's, first one here? Well, let's see. I do believe that Nintendo vastly overestimated
3: the potential demand for the game in North America and was reduced to sending out free copies of it with Nintendo Power subscriptions. <laughs> because, after all, this was the very first Dragon Quest game, and like every other game since,
1: it sold millions of copies in Japan. Yeah, it think, I think probably you know, it hasn't quite done super great over here. <laughs>
2: Although one thing was nice about the version I played is I originally played it on a ROM that a friend gave me and when you're playing it on that way you can quick save.
1: There you go. Woohoo!
0: Quick saving is cheating. Always.
1: <laughs> not on PC. It's not. Hey, that was the best way to get through some of those Gosh darn harder NES games. <laughs> you know, the games that kept whipping up my tail as a kid? Put them on the emulator. Aha! Quick save, quick reload. Quick save, quick reload. <laughs> okay. Okay. We we don't condone emulation. No. No. Bad. Uh, bad us. Bad us. Uh, um, well, I,
2: I didn't emulate it. A friend did it for me, so loophole.
1: There you go. Uh, sure Whatever makes you sleep at night. <laughs> yeah. Okie dokie. Well,
3: I think we'll move on. Oh, and should we should we talk about the mascot of the series, the slime? Which slime. is like the first enemy you ever see in pretty much all the games. He's so cute. First... He's got a
1: big smile on his face.
0: The Dragon Quest I one. Is, slime. A slime is gonna be the first thing that's gonna kick your butt, always. He, <laughs>
1: but he's so cute. Uh do they have metal slimes in the first one? No, I don't. Oh, no. I like my metal slimes. So much experience. <laughs> If you can... Again, when your max level is about thirty and
3: there are absolutely no classes, uh the metal slime wouldn't be very useful. And you have to wait for the later games for the metal slime to appear.
1: And of course we we we, we you know, I I don't did we do we do did I miss it? Uh, did we talk just a tiny bit about the wonderful use of old English?
3: Well Nintendo but <laughs> Sorry Thou just this. gained five experience points. Oh, boy. Yeah. <sighs> hey, again, for the, tra- for the translations of the time, Nintendo definitely went the extra mile with this. They did.
1: So, okay. So, I mean, Dragon Quest I, in a nutshell, your, one of your first RPGs uh, on the NES. Definitely the first uh, JRPG, because uh, I think Ultima was uh, not a JRPG, <laughs> last time I checked. Um... And uh, one character You control one character You don't get to pick a class <laughs> You're just gonna go out there And kill stuff Make sure you buy your Copper sword or you'll die Over and over again You'll never make it to the second town
0: um, <laughs> Buy the copper sword In the second town That's the trick Oh that's the trick You farm the enemies You start the game With a stick That's one of the things like, there's absolutely No funding from the king Send you on the journey It's like buy a Stupid stick
1: Stupid king <laughs> Doesn't even give me Deacon sword At least in Zelda The first thing I get Is a sword Hello um, oh well. Um, and, uh, max level's about 30, and you can get through it in about four hours. It's available on the Game Boy Color, and <laughs> the original Nintendo, and, uh, and
3: other... And it was, and in a Super, Fam- Super Famicom version that came out in, uh, 94, I believe, that, because I said Super Famicom,
1: never came out in English. Yeah. And that everything we never talk about emulation. <clears throat> so, um... Boy, So let's move on to Dragon Warrior 2 uh, Developed by Chunsoft, really Published by Enix uh, <laughs> On the NES Released here in North America in December 1990 A console single player RPG experience For your Nintendo Entertainment system So we have a party We, we actually have, have a
5: We have continuity
1: A party exciting <laughs> Tell us more Who wants to tell us more
0: yeah, my, I, yeah, I remember it. It's the second RPG I ever played, actually. Unless I played three first. I can't remember. Yeah. Um this is one I actually did a lot better in because I just found it more fun back then. Uh again, it's like way back then, I didn't ever play that much. I don't ever I think I ever actually owned this one. Uh but yeah, it's so a step up with three party members, people who actually talk. A bit more story presentation, story scenes. Generally a lot more focus on storytelling and a bit more linearity and more of a convoluted tale. Mm -hmm. Also now I have three party members who actually have different roles and do different things. So you've got a warrior, a mage, a warrior-mage. I think that's about the main division of it all.
1: And I mean, those were pre-set. You didn't get to choose them like you did in Final Fantasy, right?
0: No, they're all set. They're first to they're the first kind of real established characters among JRPGs in terms of actually having names and identities and story about them.
1: Hmm. Interesting. And oh. so, now, uh, the. Were we still using Old English in these guys?
0: I honestly can't remember. It's been too long. <laughs> <too> Someone <laughs> check this for me.
1: Someone have to take a look at that here. All right, I'll, I'll look. There you go. Um, so you know you're gonna, you're, but you're still going out. You're doing the same thing. You're beating up on monsters. You're gaining experience. You're gaining levels. Um, this is definitely your traditional JRPG type of deal. Where in the combat scenes was? Do they start using black backgrounds or do they still have pretty backgrounds?
0: I think black I using, back- yeah, black. I think, but I think it. I think black for dungeons. Just seeing the world map on the outside. I can't remember.
1: Hmm. Hmm. And um uh and of course you know one of the things about you know about these dragon warrior games uh dragon quest games whatever uh you have limited inventory slots <laughs> you, you don't get to pick up everything that you want you do have to manage uh between them and um uh, so that's kind of an important part of the game is your is your item management you really weren't doing like when you level up in dragon and, and i'm sure it's not the same i'm sure it's not much different two, you guys can correct me if i'm wrong uh, but when you level up in these Dragon Warrior games, you, it pretty much picks what stats it wants to level up for you.
0: Yeah, um, it's just preset stat progressions. You learn mm. level spells at certain levels. Mm. It's a very simple, basic. That
3: then again, it's Phil, done. this this thing came out in 1987 in Japan. We can't expect it to incorporate particularly innovative mechanics. Wait, I'm sorry, 1986 in Japan. It came out the same year as the original.
1: Hey, 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 hey! My Gold Box games in 1986 had very complex. Oh man, we're just kidding. Um, (laughs) This is what was hard for me to go back. This is why you know I, I and I know it's a totally different animal. It's a console versus a computer. But that that's you're exactly right. It's just. It was hard for me because in in the computer games you did have more complex uh, inventory management systems. You had more complex leveling up systems, and games like Gold Box D and D, you had full blown uh, class systems where you could uh, even uh, take dual classes and get really complicated. So when I went to you know just pointing out in here a much more straightforward experience, um, and really the way that you. In an RPG, when you talk about getting a, getting into the role of the character in a computer or console RPG, since you're not actually role-playing the character, or like you're not actually talking for them or whatever have you, uh, the way you really get into character in a lot of these games is by managing those those characters, and since Dragon... Uh, Quest and Warrior really don't give you any room at all as far as leveling up or choosing your classes or anything like that. I think uh at least you can at least you have inventory management and gold management. So choosing the gold and the items and giving things to the right people and really managing that inventory. If you didn't play any of the computer RPGs or anything like that, that was really huge. And later on you saw it in you know kind of creep in and start creeping into other games like Castlevania 2 and stuff.
3: Oh man, Phil Apparently, the Japanese version of the second game also used passwords. Yes!
1: Awesome! God. Yay for passwords! But just
3: for giving us the ability to save, Nintendo of America deserves
1: enormous credit. They do. So, um, so there's a little bit more story to this, right? Do any of y'all remember anything about the story?
4: Uh, um,
0: I remember the opening scene of Castle gets destroyed. Princess runs off to warn people. The descendant of the descendant of Erdrich must rise up and stop them. Uh, there's a prince you have to recruit who's in a cave. Yeah, I don't remember much.
1: Yeah, I think the the, the prince gets commanded uh, commanded to go out there and 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 save the kingdom and whatnot. And he's later on joined by two other people, right?
0: Yeah, the prince is joined by the prince and the princess. Ah.
1: It's all royalty. It's all royalty. There you go. Not too many games that all royalty goes out to save the world. Based on
3: what I see here, Nintendo did ditch the old English style for the translation here, sadly.
1: Well, how about that for royalty getting off their rear end and saving the world instead of just sitting on their thrones and paying other knights to do their dirty work? That's awesome. Um,
3: yeah, I, I want to see Queen Elizabeth get out there and take care of the British Empire's problems herself.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um there was a there was a little bit of uh continuity. Um they meet the uh g- the grandson of the dragon lord, the villain from the first game. <laughs> and he gives them he's the one who gives them information about uh five crest that you got to collect around the world to uh make the charm of rubies. And um so that's pretty cool. A little continuity going on there and probably the first time in a console RPG where you had some continuity from a previous game. Uh, that and will... apparently the entire game world of the first game is in this one in
0: condensed form, but it's there. Nice. That's yeah, like it how the entire it. game world of Zelda One somewhere in the corner of Zelda Two.
1: Oh nice. Oh that's pretty darn cool. Um Yeah, here it is right here. Yeah, it's included in the world map. Um you can win the game without ever setting your foot there, um, uh, but it is there. So go figure. That means we have optional areas, which is also a cool thing. That is cool. That's very cool. That's awesome, cool. Because when you think of uh, some of those console RPGs, they didn't have a whole lot of Easter eggs or side, you know, little side things. There really wasn't a lot of extra space on the cartridge for that sort of thing.
0: It's amazing that they fit in Dragon Warrior 3 and 4 in that regard, actually. But.
1: Hmm.
3: Yeah, those got to be pretty big NES cards.
0: Yeah, they're huge games for NES games. Mm
1: hmm, mm hmm. Okay, um, and this is a little little kind of trivia, cool thing. Anyways, the uh, so the Famicom version, the Japanese version of Dragon Warrior 2, is a financial success in Japan, of course, selling approximately 2.4 million copies. Wow.
0: And this was
3: back when the video game market was considerably smaller than it is now. Wow.
0: Or- and cartridges could cost 70 bucks of that year's money in order to be purchased.
3: Yeah, plus however much they were in Japan, because I'm sure that the Japanese would have taxed them
0: egregiously.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty interesting. Um, their Dragon Quest 1 and 2 was the first remake of any Dragon Quest game released in North America under the Dragon Warrior name. It received fairly high marks, as we all know. Um, when when it was that uh, for the Game Boy Color? Won the Game Boy Color award a Game of the Year Award for 2000 Woo! Interesting. Uh, together, the NES, the SNES, and the Game Boy Color remakes sold in excess of 1.94 million copies. And so with that success, Enix went on to release uh, uh, Dragon Warrior 3 for the Game Boy Color in 2001. So, wow.
3: Yes, played Dragon Warrior 2 on the Game Boy Color. Whereupon I made an unpleasant discovery. It See, there's this thing that happens whenever you buy off of eBay, Every now and again, you might see a suspiciously cheap game. Oh, no. (laughs) And I have occasionally taken advantage of those, only to find, oh, there's a reason that was suspiciously cheap. If you ever see the really, really thin manual and the not-quite-right box, that's a sign that you got a bootleg. Nice. And this one, it's easy enough to play the first game with nonstop, but the second game takes a lot more effort to do in one go, and... My battery didn't work. so <laughs> Which makes... Since you can't save the game, um, I just didn't complete it. it. I just couldn't be bothered to stand there wamp. for however long it takes to... Well, this was also the original GBA, which I, <laughs> I can't play that long or else I have to change the batteries. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that would suck.
3: So I think I played about to the point where the second character is about to join you before I had to turn it off, and then, lo and behold, my save was gone. Yeah,
1: they got a Dragon Quest remake on cell phones. How come we don't get that? No. I don't know. No comments from the peanut gallery. Fine. Maybe we should just move on to number three, unless any of you all have some final thoughts on this second iteration for entry for the series.
3: what are your thoughts on the second game
2: I never played the second game I only I played I played all the first one and I played parts of the third Mm
1: -hmm.
3: okay succinct and explanatory there
1: you go so, let's, with, that, with that, let's move on to Dragon Warrior 3, which has a much fancier box. Um, this is developed by Chunsoft again. Boy, where did they come up with these guys? Published by. I
3: think it was developed by
1: Tunesoft in later years because I don't think Tunesoft existed when it was first made. I I, don't even, I never even heard of Tunesoft before. That's what kills me. Uh, publisher is Enix and Square Enix for the Wii. Uh, this is. Uh, boy. Boy, it was released in Japan on February 10th, 1988. North America June 12th, 1991, and then re-released on the Game Boy Color here in North America July 7th, 2001. So, and, and boy, in Japan they must have gotten this re-released like four more times than we did. <laughs> they had a Wii edition. Holy cow! Where's my Wii version? Uh, is the Wii edition out in Japan? I think it's it says September okay, yeah. 2011. So maybe another yeah. couple months. Yeah.
3: But we certainly didn't get the Super Famicom version, which was apparently the top-selling game of, I think it was 1996 on the Super Famicom. So every other game released in 1996 on the system paled next to this this eight-year-old game at the time.
4: Hmm. Uh,
1: so, have any of y'all played the Wonders third, third, third one here?
0: I've Played the beginning a bit and some other parts of it. Again, this is another game I didn't really own. I'd only played a little bit when I was a kid. I went renting it from one of the NES days, but I really liked this one. I liked it more than the other ones in some ways simply because, I don't know, it's open, let lets you do things, create it's a bit more interesting things. Like This is the one that introduces the generic characters you can choose the classes of and build and build your whole team with and then go out and explore with that team and then class yes. them up. This is for you, Phil. This is the one that introduces the
3: class system where you can change their classes and they keep the skills they've learned.
1: And it always fascinated me how Dragon Quest, uh, Dragon Warrior 3, and Final Fantasy allows you to do that, and then future games like Dragon Warrior 4 and whatnot kind of toss that out the window.
0: And yeah, well, Dragon Warrior 4 takes a different direction. It's a very good, interesting direction. That's actually been ahead of its time. but I mean, that's different Even Final, back.
1: the Final Fantasy games that we got here in North America... Didn't have the you know didn't have the the you know you were stuck with the pre-chosen classes and the one that you could choose the classes Final Fantasy Five well we didn't get that one did they just decide that was just too complicated for our bunny brains here in North America to be able to make choices like that we didn't like
3: wait, that? Final Fantasy Three either but if we're choosing between three and five I would choose five
1: <laughs> I'm just uh, I just I don't know if the American audience I guess what I'm getting at is is when Dragon Warrior Three came out and had all this openness including you know party roles and things like that did did somebody determine that that was kind of a turnoff for Americans?
3: Phil, the records of early Super Nintendo releases are really hard to come by nowadays. All we can do is make educated guesses.
1: I have faith in your skills, Mr. Minky.
0: I mean, also, there's a, there's a couple other things I want to mention about this game. Is that, I mean, It actually has a lot of interesting stuff. Like, It's the very first RPG immigrant town, I think. The, time we can actually find people, the first game where you can find people in the world and bring them back and build your own town. Hmm. Which is really inspirational for later things like the Breath of Fire series. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's extremely non-linear in its later parts, using a system where you level up really slowly and a lot of means you are similar in level across different areas, so you can pick and choose different areas to go to and such. That's giving you a certain amount of openness for the entire second half of the game.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And... Oh, I think... Unless the previous game's set... No, wait. Final Fantasy beat them to the airship. But this is the first Dragon Quest game where you can really fly around on the back of shining bird, who cameos in Dragon Quest Eight, actually.
4: Hmm.
1: So this is set, according to the text, this was set many years before the original one, and it's in a world that's separate from the first two games. Nope.
3: Yeah, nope. not this quite. Is the, yeah, this is the you turn out to be the great hero that is renowned in legend in the first and second games at the end of this one.
0: Yeah, it's like at the very end of, the of Dragon Warrior 3, you go back to the, to, the to, to what this game calls the Dark World, which is in mm-hmm. fact the world of the original Dragon Quest, where you go out and save the world and you are named Erdrich, the great hero at the end of it. Hmm. So, so do you-, you are the ancestor of the... In the Dragon Warrior 3, you are the ancestor of the hero of Dragon Warrior 1. Hmm.
1: Interesting. So, uh, when you're going to this dark world, is it does it physically uh, does it physically manifest in a, in a way that's similar to any of the other games that you played? Yeah, it's exactly,
0: exactly identical to the original Dragon Warrior One World. Ah, cool.
1: Well, that sounds pretty darn cool.
0: Hmm.
3: Yeah, that's why the first three games are considered a trilogy because they link together like that.
0: The Great Air Trick Trilogy.
1: Ah. And then four, five, and six was a trilogy, right?
2: Yeah,
0: the Infinity yep. Trilogy.
1: But seven, eight, and nine just not so much. And
0: uh, they're eight, nine do eight. their own. They they do their own thing.
1: They're 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 the own thing trilogy.
0: Eight <laughs> <It> kind <laughs> of references tr- the Airtrick trilogy a lot, but that's, that's about it.
1: Well, uh, Dragon Quest 3 sold over 3.8 million copies, which is twice as much as, as number 2. It's often mistakenly known as being the game that in 88 caused the Japanese government to outlaw for the releases of Dragon Quest games in school days. In truth, Enix themselves decided to hold off on release of future uh, games until weekends. Uh, I've heard those rumors now and here and there, so this must be where it comes from.
3: Also, this is the game that Increased the party size from three to four, which is how it has stayed throughout the rest of the series.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, this uh, this game is the third most favorite game of all time, being uh, preceded only by Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy VII. Now, I imagine this is on Japanese gamers, <laughs> because in a, yeah, I don't think this ranks so much high with U.S. gamers, which is a shame you- because it seems really cool.
2: Yeah, because of which it's funny because if you ask uh, U.S. gamers to say which is the best Dragon Quest, most of them, as far as like the the pre ones, pre seven, will probably choose
0: five.
4: Hmm.
1: Um. Unfortunately, didn't do quite as good here in North America. <laughs> um, the Game Boy, you know, the, the Game Boy uh, Color. Here, let me see if I can find how much it sold.
4: No. I
3: understand that uh, the third and fourth games got fairly low print runs on the NES, so that they fetch fairly high aftermarket prices now.
0: Oh,
1: yeah. Hey, yeah,
0: Yeah, the Dragon, Dragon Warrior 4 on the NES has released really late in the NES life cycle, so, like after SNES released late. And so I can imagine that a small print run. There's no way it really would have done very well. <laughs>
1: You know that's that's a good point. Let's pull that boy up here on Half.com and get some prices for our listening audience here. Uh, classic console games: Dragon Warrior One is going for about five bucks. You can you can do that five bucks. Again, right.
3: that's the one that Nintendo was handing out free with
1: Nintendo Power subscriptions because yeah. of the overprinting. Dragon Warrior Two is fetching between twenty-five and forty-five. Dragon Warrior Three survey says, uh, "Whoa, hold on to your, hold on to your pocketbooks, kids." Uh, let's see, there's a couple of cheap ones, cheap in quotation marks, for about forty bucks. Though the majority of them are pricing between ninety and one thirty. So ah. yeah, I'd probably go for one of the thirty dollars ones. I got, I got a couple of good ones here. It looks like for thirty-five, but. Uh, if you want it with the manual and everything else in the box, heaven help you! You are going to pull out your wallet. So. Yeah. So many of those NES boxes
3: were just either thrown away or destroyed. Yeah. Before sure anybody had an idea that people would want them.
1: If you got something that's capable of playing Game Boy, Go- Game Boy Color games, you can uh, grab the the one and two combo uh, dealy that Mister Mickey played for about 15 to 25 bucks and the Dragon Warrior 3 Game Boy Color release is going for about 50. Dang. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there is a cartridge only one for about 20 if you want to take your chances with somebody who has a 98% rating. Might be from yeah, the same buyer you it. bought from. <laughs>
3: I played the third one on Game Boy Color. I didn't get terribly far, but I played enough to experiment with the class system and had some fun with that before I started to... Again, I was doing this between classes, and I had no easy internet access, so when I wandered around for about an hour without any clue of what to do, I switched in another game.
1: Were, were these games... I mean, I'm sure the first one was, but I can't, I can't remember how long this tradition went on in the Dragon Warrior series. Of course... You know, Dragon Quest, Dragon Warrior, even today is known for being, uh, a, you know, classic uh, style gameplay to a fault. You have to always, even on the modern iterations, you have to go back and save in churches and things like that. Um, one of the things that really I, I remember being kind of a, a property of the series is the fact that you have to press so many buttons and go into so many menus to do the simplest of things. So in other games, if I stand in front of a treasure chest and press the A button the treasure chest is going to open but in Dragon Warrior I'd have to pull up the menu and choose the open option or something like that it's like all these extra clicks you yeah. have to
0: do the the stairs
1: Yeah like the <laughs> stairs you can't just walk on the stairs <laughs> how, how far did that go in the series that that kind of stuff all the way through
3: by the time of the Game Boy Color stuff not to the point of modernity, but it was streamlined to the point where you didn't need to open a menu to go down the stairs.
1: Right, but, I, I, but I'm talking about how far did that go in the series in the NES days.
2: I really don't that, remember. That, that was a mainstay in the series all the way until 7.
1: Wow.
2: Ouch. As a matter of fact, that was one of the major detractions well, from 7 at the time, was it still did that.
1: thought in Dragon Quest IV I could go upstairs by just walking on them. But I don't remember about opening doors. I might have had to go into menu to open doors. <laughs> That's pretty sad. <laughs> go to menu to open. Fortunately, open doors. the
0: remakes cleared that up. But
1: yeah. Well, I mean, there's no doubt if you're gonna play, you know, if, if you know, knowing as much as I do about four and stuff, and having played the the remakes and whatnot, I would definitely tell people to go ahead and play the remake before you go back and play the original cause the just if for no other reason because those stream streamlines really do make the game more enjoyable. But uh as far as 1 2 and 3 you might be better off going with the Game Boy Color version it sounds like. Okay. All right, so any final thoughts about this first trilogy in the Dragon Quest Warrior series before we take a take a small break, Mr. Uh-uh. Mr. Minky.
3: Well, I I think we should at least give a shout out to the music because Koichi Sugiyama was supposedly was a well known classical composer when he got hired by Yuji Hori to start doing the music for the series. And since I again I was playing this in the library where I couldn't really listen very carefully, but lots of people swear by the compositions. What did you think of them, Nathan?
0: Uh, Oh, just Dragon Cross music, just. It's great, honestly. I mean, I've known people who've sworn that the final battle music from Dragon Warrior 3 is the greatest final battle music, or just flat battle music, in any video game ever. And it's quite good. And again, from what
3: I've heard, I am very impressed with what Koichi Tsukiyama was able to do on the NES. Not exactly a system with great oral capabilities.
0: Yeah, it's amazing what a lot of the early NES composers did, really. It's true.
3: How how Koji Kondo was able to turn the Mario theme, a launch game on the NES into such a memorable tune is just great.
0: Hmm. All the cool Mega Man songs or some of the really classic tracks from Final Fantasy. It's really impressive. It's true. And and
2: the one other thing that should be mentioned too, uh, for the series as a whole, maybe maybe so later after the first three, is that a, a Toriyama's art style, um, I'm not normally a major fan of it, but it fits the style and the spirit of the series just so well.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Cooly, cooly, cooly. All right, so uh, final thoughts on the trilogy as a whole. Mr. Minky.
3: The first game, it's... Hardly modern, but considering the small time investment you would need to play through it, I would say give it a shot sometime. See if you like it. The second game, I can't really say because if you have no save battery, that makes it very difficult, indeed, to play. The third game, I would like to try again sometime because I always regret leaving off in the middle, even though I did that a few times back when I had to play games in between classes. I... I certainly found enough to keep me very interested
1: in that game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, and Mr. Nathan,
0: um, the opening cinematic at the beginning of dri- the opening cinematic at the beginning of Dragon Warrior 3 was really the prettiest thing I'd ever seen in a video game at that point. Just war- warriors and dragons and flaming pits. It is really was the fu- a square Final Fantasy vii style flashy cutscene for its time.
1: Hmm. I I you know I might just go and load it up just to see that. <laughs> um and Mr Roy
2: I can't speak too much to the third or second one. The second one I didn't play and the third one I only played a little bit, but the the first one really was it. It truly is the grandfather of all JRPGs. It laid all the foundation for what would come after. And for a four-hour game, it it actually is worth playing because you can play through it in one sitting, really.
4: Hmm.
1: Okay. Um. And it's I'm... really hard,
2: but it's worth it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um. This is a tough call if you if you're if you consider yourself uh you know a, a hardcore RPG backtrack person uh I think you really do owe it to yourself to check out this uh trilogy. It is really the first uh, RPG trilogy uh on the consoles that I can possibly think of. And um and uh, definitely got a lot of first going on in there that'd be really really great to check out. The first one's not even a major time commitment. I doubt the second one probably even took that long. The third one looks a lot beefier from from what y'all are saying and what I'm reading here. Um so think yeah, all... especially
3: if you're one of those completionists who wants to try and master every class for your characters, you're going to be
1: at it a while. Mhm. Oh gosh, yeah. Um definitely be interesting to see. let uh, to
2: mention that uh, the the drag quest series is notorious for uh taking forever to Mm-hmm. You do a level up
1: Hey,
6: hey, testing, testing One, two Uh,
1: Hold on one second, Scott We're not up to you yet Um, So, alrighty Well, we're going to take a teeny tiny break And we'll be right back After these commercial messages We are back. We're going to totally shift gears. Now we've talked about the first uh, trilogy, I guess, on the for a console RPG uh, with our Dragon Warrior 1 through 3 special. And now we're going to be talking about Baldur's Gate number 2. So Woo! we've gone from a first to a second. I, I don't know. A big first trilogy. I don't know. Baldur's Gate wasn't really a trilogy. Baldur's Gate 2 really wasn't a first on the console or the PC, I should say. But it was just... Darn cool. So, what the hell. We're going to talk about Botters Gay. And to help us do that, we've got two new guests on the show who've just jumped in. First up is Miss Becky Cunning Turkey.
5: Turkey? Well, hey, hey, it was a rabbit farm. Not know. a turkey farm.
1: Probably get bored of being called Cunningham all the time. we got to mix it up once in a while. Cunning Turkey. <laughs> all right, Cunning Beef. How's Cunning Beef?
5: No... <laughs> oh, you're no
1: fun.
5: <laughs> Phil, Phil can't sure. help but associate
1: with you with Max Storm, so he's trying to break that association. I am. I'm working really hard. It's our big 50. As we pointed out earlier, it's our big 50th show, and 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 we're it's kind of like New Year. It's kind of like the New Year's resolutions for us. It's a 50th uh, show resolution, and, and I'm trying to be more creative with my names. Okay, <laughs>
5: but so I like my name the way it is.
1: Oh, that's boring. That's so... And,
5: and, and you've always gotten it right. I felt special.
1: Now I'm mixing it up today. Nah. This is a bit... <laughs> we have to do everything special. And we've also got Scott, who watches The Watcher on the show. Hey, Scott.
6: Get back from the head.
1: What's that? Where'd you go, Scott? You there, Scott? Scotty. Scotty, come in. can <laughs> you hear me? All right. Scotty's down engineering work. on the head of a pin as well. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here, yelling. Thought Scotty might be down engineering, working on our communications. yelling. Kind of breaking up. Let me try dialing you back in there, buddy. Hold on one second. And and see if that doesn't help things out, just a teeny tiny bit. So, we're going to be talking about Botter's Gate, developed by BioWare, published by Black Isle Studios. That just sounds cool. It definitely sounds much cooler than the people who made... Uh, Dragon Warrior anyways um, <laughs> <laughs> Can't help myself This was released September 24th 2000 A computer RPG single and multiplayer Experience for your PC This is rated T for teen Nice So oh my gosh we, We've already talked about Borders Gate 1 in a previous show Where do we start with Botters Gate 2
5: In uh, the dungeon being tortured actually that's
1: awesome that's the way to start a game <laughs> I, I like being tortured in a dungeon that's awesome
2: but only if the person's wearing leather Phil
1: uh huh
5: pretty sure there was a lot of leather involved actually mhm so um
1: yeah you start off in a dungeon you're being tortured who are you being tortured by Beck
5: um I don't remember when you learned his name exactly but it's this scary looking dude He's okay. whose name shall not be spoken, and his name was she John did. Irenicus.
1: John Irenicus. yeah, very nasty little guy, isn't he?
5: Well, he gets uh, um, my vote for one of the best uh, CRPG villains, villains ever. So there you go.
1: Mm mm mm. Um, and and uh, do we find out why he's torturing the party members or how he even got a hold of them? Because I don't remember being tied up when I beat the first game
5: you know i I don't remember it has been about ten eleven years since I played Baldur's Gate too, so I'm a little fuzzy on some of the details
1: darn details um do you remember <laughs> no, not really
5: okay Next. i don't know if I don't know if they're ever real super specific on how we got there
1: yeah, you know and i I had gone uh, through the entire game too. That's the scary part. <laughs> <laughs> But, you're right, it was about ten years ago, so um but but um, you still have a lot of the, a lot of your same characters uh that was one of the cool things about the game, especially since we still have Minsk,
5: of course, you can't
4: get rid of Minsk, Mm-mm,
1: he was awesome,
5: though I was missing my little
1: uh whiny ranger dude wasn't it a ranger guy or something uh the one who was married to j, j-
5: Jahara, husband yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's been killed by something or another, and I didn't care, because as we said on the Baldur's Gate 1 podcast, uh, I didn't like Khalid and Jahira, and I stripped them naked and left them in the middle of an oncake field, and I summarily dumped Jahira pretty quickly once I had a replacement for her in my party in Baldur's Gate 2, too. You know, I think I
1: think that they probably took a poll on the internet of what character people wanted to see die the first, and he probably came up pretty high up on the list. Kinda of like when they voted, uh, did that vote on uh, DC comics on whether or not Robin should die. <laughs> <laughs> There's just some good people. There's just some good guys that people want to see dead.
4: <laughs> so, uh, actually,
5: they were freaking neutrals. That's my problem with them. Pick a side. <sighs> uh, yeah, yeah.
1: So, so, I mean, there was this. Uh, you know, what's interesting is there was a a a big a big plot to botter skate to. And it had to do a lot with the lineage of the uh, the hero and exactly who he was and what he is and, and and whatever have you. But for some reason, I just remember the characters a lot more than I do the plot.
5: Well, it's because the characters are more interesting than the plot. But the basic thing is is that you're a child of Ball who is a god. And you just spent Baldur's Gate 1 um, kicking the butt of one of your half-siblings who was evil and wanted to be a god too so here you are Mm. oh hey i didn't
1: i'm just remembering i didn't actually introduce this as the pc pit stop segment. this is the pc pit stop segment okay sorry thanks phil i I was very confused for a little while there ah thank god we got that out of the way (laughs) man (laughs) But yeah, it, yeah, exactly what you just said about the demons and where you know he was because the because the 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 player character that you play the hero that the that doesn't t- he didn't really talk a whole lot did he is he one of the muted heroes?
5: No, no, you get dialogue choices.
1: Oh, you get dialogue choices. You just don't you actually don't... hear his voice.
5: No, you don't hear her voice. Thank you very much. <laughs> it was a he.
1: I distinctly remember it being a he because I had a romance with one of the dark elf chicks because that looked really hot.
5: No, no, it was a he. Mine was a she, so there. Get out of my game! Get
1: out of my head!
4: Oh my <laughs> gosh! She was a bard.
5: <laughs> a
1: bard! Oh my a gosh! Bard. Sacrilege! How can you play a bard in a high-level uh, D and D game? By oh
5: cheating. <laughs> by, <the> che- end. <laughs> <laughs> by cheating. By
1: <at> cheating <laughs> Oh my god! I, now I'm good. To, now I have to ask, what did you do at the end, Becky? Uh,
5: See,
2: no, I'm I, not the only one that cheats at PC games.
5: Well, see, I liked the Baldur's Gate series for the story and the choices you got to make and all the characters and stuff, but I've never liked BioWare's pause-and-play combat system, so when it got to the point in the game where it was pretty much fight after fight after fight, I just turned my characters invincible and smacked everything down and saw the rest of the story. Oh, jeez.
4: That's what I do for every every
2: game. You guys always say I'm a cheater.
1: Roy, (laughs) why don't you just go read a book if you want a story without all that nagging gameplay in between? (laughs) <laughs> well, see, I like it's the just gameplay just, until it gets ridiculous
2: <laughs> I, I you, just enjoy Bioware stories
1: But I'm picking on Roy Because Roy does this at almost every game You only do it at the end when it gets hard, Becky, that's okay Roy, explain yourself Why don't you just go read books
2: I read books too, but I love Bioware stories But I hate their combat system
1: the well, maybe well, maybe we'll send you some Bioware books for Christmas they will just answer all your prayers Bioware stories without that darn irritating gameplay in between I never kind did cheat at Dragon Age. Age
5: I never did cheat at Dragon Age Origins, and I haven't ha- had the need to cheat in Dragon Age two yet either, so there you go.
1: There you go. <laughs> Unlike certain other people on this podcast at the moment. Alright, so <laughs> I, I don't need to cheat in them, but one hitting everything is fun. Oh, I see. Um so, Becky, uh, uh, how did you feel uh, s- about about the characters uh, about the characters in Baldur's Gate Two? Uh, we have some good carryovers from the first game,
5: right? Yep, and their characters tend to be um, developed a fair bit more. Like Imoen, who it turns out is your character's sister, although I don't remember when exactly you find that out. Um, but she's the little thief who was kind of whiny, a little bit annoying in Baldur's Gate One, and is mu- much better developed in Baldur's Gate Two. Which is good because um, she becomes kind of important to you, um, and she gets kidnapped by John Erenicus And a large part of the game is you trying to figure out where he's taken her and going to rescue her.
1: Hmm. Um, and then we have, uh, you know, we also have Mintz, Jahera. Were there any others that you can think of that made it over?
5: Sorry, you're typing to me and talking to me at the same time. I can't multitask.
1: Sure you can.
5: <laughs> and and what do you mean by I'm maxing out? Is my voice too loud?
1: Yeah, you're you're oh. crackling in pretty loud. You're hitting the red bars.
5: Oh. Oh uh, this microphone sucks.
1: Well you could just either probably move it just a tiny bit away or go into tools options and Skype and turn down your microphone settings a little bit. Make sure it doesn't say automatically adjust microphone, so um but, um, yeah, we had mince, Jahara, and I really you know they they felt more mature to me, they felt more fleshed out, they definitely were maturing, you know, as the game went on. Um, but I can't remember if there was any others in the game from the first one, probably because those were the ones I carried with me. Well, what's her name? Well, oh my Gaconia, uh, Draconia, yeah. Your- <laughs> Hello, my romance <laughs> with how could I forget her? It was so fast. <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, who was the really squeaky one? I didn't like her. What Uh I don't she remember. Was squeaky.
5: Yeah. Do you, are you talking about Aerie, the, the yeah, that's
1: it. That's it. That's her. Element. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I kept hoping that that an enemy mage would cast a charm person spell on her, just so I could actually kill her.
5: You know, on accident, Let's see. of course. I the, here's the problem with it. So so Ari is this formerly flying elf who has lost her wings, Aww. and she's a mage, I think. She's a mage. She's either a mage or a cleric, something girly. Um, I think she's a mage, <laughs> and 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 she's all sad and naive, and unfortunately, Minx decides to adopt her. Ugh. <laughs> so Ugh. try to get her out of your party after Minx decides to adopt her he will leave too if you get rid of ari so i got stuck with ari in my party but that's okay because after you um recruit viconia the drow cleric oh, she yeah. spends the rest of the game verbally tormenting ari and it's hilarious
1: if that was the only reason i kept <laughs> her in the party <laughs> <But> i <laughs> kept squeaky girl because i just like to see her get berated the entire time it was awesome <laughs>
5: We're terrible people, <laughs> we are
1: we are, but I you know I just enjoyed that Mm-mm. are
3: you good at being terrible, or are you terrible at being terrible?
5: Uh, <laughs> considering I was once banned from ever playing um evil aligned in a Dungeons and dragons campaign at one point, I'm probably pretty good at being evil,
1: <laughs> what about you, Phil. <laughs> You know, I mean, I, I play good characters, but I, I'm a good character that doesn't like squeaky little girls who lost their wings. So I, I'm just—it's just—it's just a taste. It's a preference, you know.
5: I like and, and I play chaotic good in pretty much all of these games, but you know, there are limits. Yeah, there are limits, indeed. I just squeaky elves and kid characters; those are my limits.
1: <sighs> yeah, she just. Boy. It was just fun watching keep it, read it, though. And that was really cool is that depending on who you had in your party, you got some really great dialogue between the characters. <laughs> just really awesome.
5: Yeah, they were definitely pretty semi regular, especially in the first like half of the game. Like the first act is pretty open. There's a lot of side quests, there's a lot of different things. Um you're you're in the city of Omn, which is um a, city sort of in the south of the Forgotten Realms that's ruled by the Cowled Wizards and they don't like anybody else doing magic in the city, so if anybody does magic openly in the city, they get arrested by the Cowled Wizards unless, of course, they fry the Cowled Wizards after they show up not that I ever did that Scotty, are you there?
1: Kirk, to Enterprise Scotty I think so Thank goodness.
5: What did we hear you? you now.
1: Yeah, we can hear you. Can you hear us now? Good. Um, if we were talking about some of the characters and what we, I think I got to Cotton. Yeah. Whoa. some of the the yeah, uh, some of the hits or misses and whatever have you. Um, what did what it, you know? And when you're looking at Eris, it, it's just her face just looks ditzy. You don't even have to listen to her talk. You don't even want to open her mouth because when you see the picture of her face, you're like, I'm done there. I'm I'm no, that's okay. <laughs>
5: It's, it's Aerie, not Eris. Eris is somebody else Aris. who is dead.
1: Uh, yeah, I get them all mixed up. I, I I get to slaughter their names, too. Why should you be the only one back? <laughs> so what about you, Scott? What are your thoughts on the characters of Botter's Gate 2? Okay. Well,
2: obviously there are far. than uh, uh,
6: uh.
1: I think Scott's having some (laughs) more. We'll have to get back to Scott.
5: (laughs) Well, they did have, if we're talking about the characters that aren't carried over from the first game, then there was. Baldur's Gate 1 did not have, Hmm. wait, did Baldur's Gate 1 have any romances at all? I don't think so.
1: No, I mean, if there was, I totally missed out on them. But I had plenty of opportunities in Baldur's Gate 2.
5: Yes, Baldur's Gate 2 had three possible love interests for the male main character. And one possible love interest for a female main character who was a paladin no. named Amwin Amwin am-, 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 am something. And
1: he's th- he's vain, isn't he? He's the one that's kind of like yeah.
5: yeah, he's he's obnoxious and I uh there there's a, a, a thieves guild test in 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 the city of Um, which involves many nasty traps. So, he was in my party, and he annoyed me so much that I left him naked in the middle of the room full of traps in armed Because NPCs that do not make my cut in the Baldur's Gate games meet ignominious ends.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
5: so, my character did not have a romance in Baldur's Gate 2, because... Bioware was not yet enlightened and had not yet implemented gay or lesbian romances, so despite the fact that I wanted to romance Viconia, they wouldn't let me, and I was sad.
1: Yeah, how rude! Um, but he was kind of—I mean, there was one, there was one neat thing about him being a Paladin and stuff. In that, uh, depending on whether or not he he succeeded or failed in his knighthood quest, you could. Um, uh he could it actually changes alignment down to chaotic neutral. <laughs>
5: yes, I've heard you could make him bad, but I just didn't have the patience to deal with him for that long.
1: No, nobody did. It was like it's like yeah, having the patience to listen to airy say more than 3 lines in a row. <sighs> well, we had uh we had Edwin, so he was in the first game, but I never yeah, yeah. really did much with the evil characters in the party except for Viconi, of course. She was always welcome.
5: Yeah, we need more evils in this podcast, because I never did an evil playthrough.
1: Yeah, if you've done evil playthrough, send a video recording of your experience to com. Um, <laughs> no one ever does semi audio recordings. I kind of gave up on that. Um, except for Strawberry Eggs, and now she's staffed, so she doesn't have to do that anymore.
5: <laughs> that, and I don't think she's ever played these games.
1: Yeah, how rude. Go and play these games. If you're listening to this, Strawberry Eggs, you got to go play the games now. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
1: so, um, and tr- Oh, hey, listen to this. This is a little tidbit about Edwin. Okay, this is pretty cool. I was just reading through the list of characters here, and I, I didn't I never carry Edwin in my party in either either game because of how evil he was or whatever have you. I think I had him in the first game for like a little bit, and then I reloaded.
5: Wait, I forget. I re- was he the evil mage or the evil bard? He
1: was the evil uh, mage. Okay. Edwin has a side quest which requires Entering the graveyard district tombs And challenging an apparently deranged Lick After the Lick is destroyed Edwin will recover a powerful and ancient artifact Called a nether scroll Which he will then spend some time deciphering Casting the spell inscribed upon the scroll Changes him into a woman Which results in teasing from the other party members Holy crap I'm going to load up the game right now and put him in (laughs) That's worth it (laughs) that's great so he turns it's like the that that belt that changes your gender except with in his case because you could get that one in the first game you could get the belt to change your gender right yep and so in this game here apparently he can f up uh with this scroll of of whatever and changes up to a woman and then you get to listen to the party berate him for the rest of the game how awesome is that
5: that's pretty great
1: that is awesome sauce Mm. Ah yeah yeah so I mean there was just and that was one thing another thing about this game is it's it's a shame that you know and Becky I mean you do kind of hit on a point one of the things that held these games back was the D and D combat system especially when it was kind of changed to real time I i was not a huge fan I've always been a huge fan D and D but I wasn't really a really huge fan of the sueto real time make it turn based or redesign a system for something that's better works with real time, but D and D it's really not it. Um suedo
5: real time? Yes,
1: yeah, Swato real time, whatever. So
5: I think I think that's pseudo for those who are confused. <laughs> I'm
1: always confused, so but but what happens is I mean there's just so much combat and it gets so bogged down, especially if you're playing these higher levels and stuff, that mm. it, you know, it it takes some grit just to get through the game once, especially if you're gonna play it with the expansion. Um but uh, but it, it, it screams from multiple run-throughs. That's, it's kind of like you really want to play it again just to check out some of these other experiences and listening to these characters interact with the different characters. I mean the combinations are endless. And just imagine – I mean all the fun we just missed by not having Edwin in our party. Now we don't change it to a chick.
5: Oh my yeah, well, god. Uh, Edwin, Edwin, if I recall, was always the um, evil um, comic relief In the Baldur's Gate series, so yes. Oh my
1: gosh. Uh, In in the epilogue of the Throne of Baal, which is the expansion, I believe, it is implied that he was permanently transformed into a female by Elminster. (laughs) 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 Oh, I need to go make an evil party now. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. So um uh but yeah let's talk uh, you know just just for those of who haven't had the benefit of listening to the first uh, first uh Bar's Gate, uh podcast but this is this the game uses the D&D uh combat system and uh it is done in a pseudo real time type of deal where actions will pretty much carry in real time you can Excuse me. Um you I believe you no you actually didn't have much flexibility in, in how the AI operated. It's not like you could go in and like with Dragon Age and set settings for each character and how aggressive they are, right?
5: Um it, you can do some limited stuff like that, but no, it's more you can give them direct orders than if you were like me, I had it set to pause like all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um it um uh, so, and you know, with D and D characters and D and D, the D and D system, it is a deep, complex uh, system, and you're doing this times six characters. So, when you definitely get into the latter half of the game, uh, where the battles are really, really, you know, going to be tougher. Um, and require more strategy. You will be hitting that space bar a lot, and you will be thinking a lot. Then you'll hit the space bar again, watch a second of action, realize something didn't work out the way you thought it was going to, and hit that space bar quickly again, make some micro-type of adjustments, hit the space bar, hit the, and it just, this just rinses and repeats. Next thing you know, no,
5: Minsk, no, don't
1: run no, into the fireball! Come on, I, I started casting it, and the funny thing is you started casting that fireball like three minutes ago, but because you kept pausing so much, you forgot that it was going off <laughs> until it's about to blow up, and it's starting to cover the screen, and you're like, maybe if I pause it and move him now, I can
5: get out of the way. Yeah, it just, it was... I wasn't even talking about him running into my fireballs. I was talking about him oh. running into the enemy fireballs. <laughs> enemy fireballs, yeah. It was pretty crazy.
1: You, you back with us, Mr. Scott? I, I think I am. Oh, wow, well, you I've sound much, much better. Oh, yeah, okay. So... Did you
5: ever do an evil playthrough? Because we're a bunch of goody-two-shoes over here. Yeah,
1: did you do an evil playthrough, Scott? You
6: meet. You you mean you're asking me if I had the opportunity to kill absolutely everything and sit upon the throne of the god of murder? Yeah, might have done that once or twice. Did, did you did you? But did you take Edwin in your party? I I think so. I'm trying to remember. You pro-
1: we- probably remember because he had a quest to recover a a powerful artifact called the Elder Scroll uh, that he needed to decipher. And if he cast the spell, it changed him into a chick. Yeah. Oh, that one did. did the other party start making fun of him?
6: I think Yeah, there were a few that made fun of him.
1: <laughs> oh the giddy good times you could have with that. Oh my gosh. And we were 'cause we were we were talking about how much fun it was uh how uh Verconia Veronica, whatever her name was, the, the Dro elf chick, was making fun of the uh, other elf chick who lost her wings, uh Aerie or whatever her name is. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we were saying that's one of the highlights of the game for me, was just listening to, to one berate the other. But when I read, uh, the, I was reading through the evil characters, I'm like, holy cow, this guy changes to a chick and the party gets to make fun of him the entire time. Yes! <laughs> That was just one of the cool things about Baldur's Gate too. Is is you had uh, you had about uh, over a, well over a dozen uh, characters, uh, NPCs you could add to your party. Aside from using the multiplayer trick to make your own, but you would never do that just because it was so interesting to have these guys in your party and watch them go back and forth.
6: Yeah, I mean this is this is where Baldur uh, or Bioware really got their got. Hit a lot of what would become their formula for much later with strong characters who just never stop talking to each other.
5: Mhm, I like that I know it's
6: awesome, oh but, okay <laughs> but some people might have a problem with it it It's just become their trademark at this point, which beats their previous trademark
1: of giant robots. So, um, uh, just uh, real quick, Mr. Scott, since we kind of already touched on uh, some of these topics, but um, did you have uh, some thoughts about the story and the the main plot of the game?
6: Uh, The main plot's just just this sort of, it's almost a frustration plot where you'll, you'll think you're getting somewhere and then, boom, oh, oh, now you have to chase him over here, like, like, it seems like the first act really just stalls out where you're where you're just doing a bunch of odd jobs to earn your gold pieces. And it, like there's a big chunk of like it's a bit like Dragon Age 2 in that way where it's sort of like there is a main plot but you almost don't notice it in with all on underneath all the piles and piles of side quests the game throws at you particularly in that early section.
1: Yeah, and for me it was the main plot kind of took a backseat to just the the characters and their interaction and their development. I really enjoyed the characters. But that's just me. And Becky really likes the combat, especially towards the latter half of the game. (laughs) (laughs) What was that, that, Beck?
6: Yeah, high-level Dungeons & Dragons is always fun and exciting and dynamic.
1: Yeah, and it never dry it never drags down to a grinding halt.
6: Nope. Never happens.
1: Never. You spend more time you spend more time with the game in pause
5: than you do actually playing it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Not what not
5: once you make your characters invincible. <laughs> yeah.
1: Not unless you're using Becky's code of awesomeness.
5: Yeah, that's right. Uh I think I think it was I think it was a, a fight that involved multiple mind flares that in which I finally gave up and found the code. In
1: mind flares. <laughs> Baldur's Gate, uh, according to notes here, was like is still like the sixth or seventh highest scoring PC game on on most uh, meta sites. So really, just really, you know, top quality down from top to bottom. Especially if you can get, you know, you can go back and play today. And the, the graphics, you know, of course, uh, we're talking the graphics are your two D isometric type of deal. Um, there's no fancy 3D graphics here, people, but it's really well-done 2D graphics, um, especially if you don't stretch it out with a widescreen monitor. If you're going to use a widescreen monitor, make sure it stays centered because I, I don't like it when everything looks fat. It's um, <laughs> just, just, just my pet peeve. I'm playing old games on these new monitors. Uh, you know, I
5: think I may be the only person left on the planet that still doesn't have a widescreen monitor. So, I have a, I have a great little Sony monitor. But it's just lasted for a billion years, so I don't have a widescreen <laughs>
1: i i actually have a a a dual monitor set up in my my secondary monitor on the left is an lg uh... monitor with the normal rate with the older ratio and before i got a newer graphics card that was that monitor on my left was the one I always played my old school games on because I, I would just switch it to that mode because I hated the way it would stretch out Now nowadays the, the newer graphic cards and drivers have the ability to go into the settings and make it to where when you're playing a, a, a game that has a particular ratio, aspect ratio, it'll keep that aspect ratio um, so you'll get black bars on the left and the right but it doesn't get stretched out and all ugly sized
5: pro tip for retro rp gamers
1: absolutely yeah there you go <laughs> this has been a pro tip um just <laughs> the tip
2: And an absolutely necessary one for these old 2d games otherwise it looks all pixelated it, and it's hard to see
1: yeah it already it's already going to kind of look pixelated because chances are you're going to uh play it in a mode to where it at least stretches it uh stretches it out um to a degree um, because otherwise you'll end up with this small square in, this, in the middle of your screen. Because resolutions being what they are, um, it, it is better than Botter's Gate 1. Because Baldur's Gate 1, if I'm not mistaken, was stuck in like something like 800 by 600 or 480 by 640 or something archaic. Whereas yeah, I Gate... think the
6: best you could do was 640 by 480 on Botter's Gate.
1: Wow, yeah, that's really bad. With Baldur's Gate 2, you can get up to 1024 by 768 if memory serves.
5: Uh, That's downright modern. And that is,
1: yeah, yeah, that is just right up there, let me tell you. Um, Now, there was a, you could play this multiplayer. Did any of y'all ever try playing this multiplayer?
6: (laughs) Trying being the operative term.
5: Well, there was one night when I got drunk. (laughs) (laughs) And and my boyfriend and I attempted to connect our laptops to um, play Baldur's Gate 2, but we never got far. (laughs) Because we were drunk, well, it was, and and, it and was because playing be Baldur's so- Gate two multiplayer was really difficult to get to work anyway,
6: like this was tough to get running sober, much less
2: drunk. So you you were you were wasted, and you were trying to do a LAN
5: party. <laughs> well, if, if it's a party with two, yeah.
1: <laughs> Did um, uh, I don't think we're going to do a separate podcast on the expansion, so we should probably. Uh, touch uh, touch on that too. The Throne of Ball. Did any of did any of y'all have the the pleasure playing through that particular one? Oh yeah, Mr. Scott, please share.
6: Okay, so Throne of Ball takes place a bit after the events of Ballers' Gate 2, and it's set in the mountains north ish of Um, and it turns out, uh, uh, spoiler alert, but a high priestess of uh, Ball's former high priestess has been playing a bunch of uh, ball spawn against each other, in and the hope.
5: Ball is the evil god that your main character is descended from.
6: Yeah, like so, ball spawn, including you, uh, against each other in an attempt to uh, claim the, the throne of the Lord of Murder for herself. And uh, basically, it has you go through like she. This high priestess shows up uh, posing as some sort of helpful nun lady who's just keeping innocent people out of the way of the fight between these five ridiculously powerful ball spawn, which you then have to go and kill, which is tough. One of them is a white dragon, right? Mm-hmm. Some sort of dragon, probably white. That was a spell casting kind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, white dragons they cast spells. Otherwise, they're lame. Right, of course. But.
5: And unlike but, in some game game worlds, D and D white dragons are not nice dragons. Mm mm.
6: They are me faces. Mm mm. And so you go around you you uh you take care of all these five and then it's like, aha curse aha, fool. I've suddenly but inevitably betrayed you. and Now I flee to hell and then you have to duke it out with her for um in Ball's old stamping grounds in the abyss for the shot at the throne of murderous, doomy stuff.
5: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we might we might want to mention what happens in the story at the end of the story of the first Baldur's Gate or oh. uh, the main game too. Okay, go ahead. So, spoil away. So, well, if, I, I I'm gonna have I'm gonna need help because I don't remember exactly what happened because I was busy being invincible. <laughs> but um, after. So after many fun side quests in the, the the first part of the game, you're sort of in the town of and You're trying to track down John Irenicus. and you get distracted by a lot of really cool side quests. And and it's uh, you you can go get yourself your own keep. That's kind of cool. And, and or or like me, I ended up owning a theater because I was a bard. And that was pretty cool. Um, and, but eventually, you track down Irenicus to um, this big prison where he's been experimenting on people, and you find. Imwin, but she's kind of been through a lot. And I don't remember exactly what he did to her, does anybody remember? I know it was he, bad. He removed her soul. Oh, right. Yeah, that was bad. That'll do it. Yeah. And then he no, takes out don't...
6: your soul, and then you run around as, like, sort of crazy avatar of murder guy for a while. And then the the chase continues as Erenicus uh, runs to the Underdark, and then you fight your way through a big pile of drow, and then you find, then he runs even farther into um, some elven city, and then he starts some crazy ritual where he wants yeah. to become immortal, and then you have to fight him in hell.
5: <laughs> yeah, so it turns out Irenicus is, actually was once an elf, but he decided he wanted to actually become immortal. And the elves thought that that was really not worth his elfiness, so they removed his elfiness from him, and he became very bitter. And apparently he also used to be the lover of the elven queen, so there's some bad blood back there. (laughs) Anyway, you end up taking him out, because, you know, that's what you do.
1: That's what we do. That's absolutely the point. of Now, you gotta, you know, actually, you know, you both missed the real highlight of throwing a ball. And that is the brand spanking new level 40 experience level cap.
6: No, no, no. The thing that made Throw a Ball awesome was that it added the Wild Mage. And the Wild Mage, yeah. There you go. Oh,
5: God. So. I never played Throne a Ball because it was mostly combat, so I didn't buy it. So, I mean, just think about how
1: much fun... If you thought it was going slow before, back, imagine how much fun you have trying to slash around level 8 and 9 spells and defenses. One of the things about the Botter's gate game is is that there was you know there there were these levels of magical defenses when you were dealing with a mage that you had to use your own mage to to kind of peel through his defenses otherwise you weren't getting anywhere any too quick
5: um, I hated that because I hate defensive spells I'm an offensive caster, and they made me take these wimpy ass oh dispel magic. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, you gotta have plenty of them too, because half the time they did not work. So, so imagine how much fun it would be playing like level forty. Imagine how many layers of protection those bad mages have. You'd have to peel them like an onion.
5: Yeah, it does not sound fun to me.
1: They probably have a prismatic sphere on them that you literally have to take down one color at a time.
5: Ugh. And remember, you have to cast,
1: with prismatic spheres. You have to cast the uh, the opposite spells in the right order. So you have to take down this this color with this spell. Then you can take down this color with that spell. Oh, yeah, it's really awesome.
5: It's a good thing the manual had an entire D and D player's guide in it. And that, this is this is absolutely
1: the, the the main point here. I mean, they're, they're the, on one hand, this is absolutely uh, one of the best RPGs from the story perspective, the characters. Uh, enough can't be said about about the story here. It really does well, uh, uh, at least in the main game. I didn't get too far and throwing a ball, so I can't speak to that. But I did get through the entire main game and I'll tell you that it you really do feel like you're making a difference in the world. You really do enjoy the company or characters. Uh the side quests for the most part are, are fun and entertaining. Um, I mostly do them just to have more time to sit with my team. But I really enjoyed that aspect of the game. A- and it's it's something that you don't even really see a whole lot today. And we do still we have our epic games and stuff, but just the level of depth you had in that game was just absolutely phenomenal. The, the 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 offset to that is the combat system. It is hardcore dungeon dragons three or three point five or kind of a mixture of the two. No, uh, it was two, like straight up two. No, wasn't yeah. one. Wasn't one two, and oh, I'm thinking Icewind Dale, the You're second one. i Icewind Dale. Yeah, is, okay. This so this is two. Yeah, this it's
6: got some stuff from Rules Cyclopedia. Which was yeah. like two and a half.
1: Well, it was two it was and a half. Fun, right? Yeah, two. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it did mix in some uh, some concepts and stuff from from three or like you said from some other sources, but yeah, for the most part, at its core. So we're talking negative armor classes and everything. Boy, you don't get more old school than that. They go two hit armor class zero. Awesome! I, for, I like taking it with
4: hmm? like,
1: Two
2: with two point five, I think.
1: Yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't think they had. Did they ever have an official two point? I mean, you had an official three point five, but I don't think you ever had like an official official. Well, that was uh, Rule Cyclopedia, Rules encyclopedia.
6: Okay. Came out, in, I guess, in, uh, sometime early ish '90s, and that was sort of a big chunk of revised AD&D second edition type stuff. I like to play kobolds. <laughs>
5: <laughs> However, you cannot play a kobold in Baldur's Gate.
6: Yeah, a great feeling of the franchise, really.
5: <laughs> so so if... you, can, you can kill a lot of kobolds in Baldur's Gate 1, like a lot, a lot of kobolds.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to get into this game, you better get ready to go to school if you're not familiar with the D&D rule set. The games do come with very thick, comprehensive manuals. I've seen school textbooks that are smaller than these things. It's just, it's just incredible. There is a computer, you know, like you could just go with a fighter and have the computer AI run most of your party, but you're just not going to get very far without turning on Becky's invulnerability settings or something, because uh, if you don't take, uh, if you don't micromanage uh, your party, especially in the harder later battles, uh, you're going to get your ear handed to you. And you can set the—I never played on the easier level, so I don't know how much easier or easy is. Um, you know, it whether it scales n- back the challenge ratings a bit, like it's not a lot yeah it's not a lot yeah so uh, if you're a person who thinks that that uh rpgs are just too shallow and that they're the you know that their that their combat systems are just the same thing rehash over and over again by all means go and check this out because <laughs> there,
5: there are a lot of people who really love the bioware pause and play D rules um i just don't happen to be one of them but i in the in the in the um, community of old school crusty um western RP PCRP gamers i am an exception most of them like this battle system well, so you
6: know when it comes to adapting second edition it beats the heck out of the gold box games no
5: wait what get out of here. i'm kicking you off the channel
1: right now boy okay no i know i know you're just taking a jab at me i'm watching you my problem is that <laughs> D&D is a turn-based game. That is how it's designed, and that's why the gold box will always be better than these games. Because it is supposed to be one turn at a time, and when you go outside of that, and you try to make it a real-time strategy game, you have
5: problems. I think maybe that's our problem, Phil. There are crusty PC gamers, and then there are crustier er. PC-ier. and i'm crustier. <laughs> yeah that's right i'm crust i'm crustier. you know when i i you know
1: i'm playing pathfinder this day and and, and when, you know which is for those who don't know pathfinder is basically just carrying on of the D torch um and whatnot and we play the combats and we have our hour hour and a half long combats and we like them that's how we play our game staying nabbit with really overly complicated combats that take almost two hours to finish um Hilarious, Um, but I mean, with that being said, I mean the 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 I was uh, and I've said this before when we did the Potter's Gate one. I was disappointed uh, with that real time system. For me, it did feel like a step. You know, the Gold Box had been out of out of season for like eight or ten years or something at that point. Um, If you don't count Unlimited Adventures or something like that. And uh, so when Gate was coming, I heard about it. I was really hoping just for an updated you know updated version of that with better graphics, and when it came out it was this real time strategy thing, and I'm continuously hitting the pause uh and whatnot that kind of drove me a little crazy the uh and that was disappointing to me, but it wasn't so detrimental that I stopped playing, especially since the story was so good, the story was way better than these gold box stories way better
5: and uh a very good improvement over um Baldur's Gate 1 although there were people um the, the you could fully explore the city but the areas outside the city you kind of found a location and auto moved to it you didn't actually have to go from from screen to screen to screen some people didn't like that most of the rest of us are kind of used to that kind of thing by now oh my it's God. okay if you skip the skeinery <laughs> yeah the screen
1: to screen to screen to screen is so old school I mean that is like that is Fallout like Fallout Two. Yeah, but... Fallout Two, or Holy Cow, or or like those point and click Sierra adventure games. Remember those? I mean, you must
5: well... gather your party before venturing <laughs> forth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Damn,
5: you're good at that, Beck. <laughs> I heard it many times. Holy cow! Well, that's because
6: there was always one guy who got stuck on something.
5: <laughs> yes. And... Or Minsk goes back killing a kobold somewhere, <laughs> and I'm thinking. Well, to... yeah. And I was thinking to myself, in You
1: know, when you were doing that in Bar's Gate. Well, I'm thinking to myself. Uh, when we're sitting at the table playing, I don't make the players go screen by screen or town by town when they say, hey, I want to go from this continent to that continent. I I just tell them how long it's going to take, and if there's a battle in between, we'll stop and do the battle, or if there's an encounter or something. But, yeah, that that was just kind of silly when they had you walk in screen to screen to screen.
5: Now you are on a path. There are trees. Yeah.
4: yeah. So on your so left,
1: some... you see a
6: incredibly mangled sperm whale and a broken pot of chrysanthemums.
5: <laughs> <sighs> awesome. Anyway. Yeah, so some very crusty PCRP gamers did not like that you could auto-travel to your destination outside of town in Baldur's Gate 2, but I was okay with that. I'm not that crusty.
1: Nah, and I, I was okay with that, too. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm about as crutchy as they come, but uh, I'm all for st- streamlining. I just didn't feel that. I think that's what they were trying to do when they went with the real-time strategy model. They wanted to kind of streamline. And in the in the encounters where you clearly have the upper hand, uh, especially with enemies that don't have a lot of armor clash, you find a bunch of weak goblins or something, the real-time strategy battle does kind of let things go by fast and get over with quicker, uh, you know, because I could... You know, when I was fighting those goblins in the gold box, even if I was four levels above them, it would still take, you know, a good amount of time. Um, but when
5: you're facing an angry drow arch priestess, yeah. two vampires, and five mind flares it good. can be troublesome.
1: Yeah, very. And they did have settings that would try to make it feel like a turn-based type of deal. But part of the problem wasn't just the fact that you had... This real time model going on, but it was the fact that everybody was doing their things at the same time in the d and d board game when it 's your turn it 's your turn. You take your move, you cast your spell. I guess with the earlier second edition, you did have initiative and stuff which could complicate things, but even in Pathfinder oh, yeah. today casting times casting like, like, times. no one
6: played with Cap no no times. one actually but played that did, way it, 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 you know father's gate give you a taste of what it would have been like to if you had
1: yeah, <laughs> it was just. No, and Scott's exactly right, Uh, and they got rid of that in Pathfinder, so you just move, you cast your spell, you're done. Um, But then nobody else is moving or doing anything while you're casting your spell unless you're silly enough to cast in front of somebody who's got a sword right at your throat. Um, But in Baldur's Gate, you could start casting your spell, and during that time that you're casting, everybody's moving in different directions, including your own party members that are sometimes heading right where that fireball is about to go off that you're casting. Um, So it was a ton of unnecessary micromanagement even when compared to the board game. It's just, uh, so the higher level battles I think were very, very cumbersome, and I think I, I was very tempted to pull Becky's invulnerability trick, <laughs> but I didn't do it because that's just wrong, 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 wrong. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So where can you get it? You can get Baldur's Gate 2 Complete with the expansion at GOG, G-O-G dot com. It is a ten dollars. Um and they it includes 181 pages worth of their manuals that's sent to you as a PDF or you download it. Uh, it's got the soundtrack. It's got a lot of artwork. If you're gonna, if if you're interested in this, definitely the GOG version is the way to go nowadays because you don't have to mess with any of the discs or anything like that. Ten bucks, you download it, you install it, and you'll enjoy it. It's but and
2: it's got all the latest patches installed.
1: That's right, all included. You don't have to look for those guys. Um. I think. Uh, what do you guys think? I, I've talked a lot about what I think, whether or not people would like it. What do you think, Scott? Is this something uh, that uh, backtrackers should go out and run out and play, or what should they take into consideration before making the purchase?
6: Well, if you haven't already, what the heck's wrong with you? <laughs> but um, yeah, if you're not um, like again, this is really rough. Like if, if you if you came into Bioware titles, when that's the Old Republic, or even more recently with Dragon Age. It, you're going to see things that are familiar mechanically but you're going to see it in a much rougher version along with them being slaves to the very clunky second edition rule set so you're you're just going to have to take a lot of this with a grain of salt i would not fault you at all for turning on cheat codes and just you know running around listening to M- minsk talk just so you can hear everything that minsk has to say
5: Mm-hmm. 2.5 is my favorite D&D rule set
1: <laughs> How about you, Becky? What would you like to say to the audience out there about Baldur's Gate 2?
5: I mean, if you're interested in doing any retro RP gaming on the PC, then this is the game to get, because it is like the seminal um, game that ushered in the modern RP- Western RPG era So, and it's not just good playing for historical purposes like some games we've talked about, Like, it's just a darn good game
4: Mm.
1: It, it really, really is. And um and uh, you
2: I know better with cheat coats.
1: Yeah. And if you're and if if your level of cr- uh, crustiness because we talked about being crusty old gamers. If your level of crustiness is within a certain parameter, if you're the kind of person that likes the pen and paper games and things like that, despite the you know some of the criticism we levied against uh, the system, it, it is very deep and thorough, um, especially if you're already familiar with the D&D system. If you're not, you can certainly read the books and learn, but it's about as deep as you're going to find in any RPG uh, as far as your sheer number of class choices and, and things that you can do. Um Outside of maybe Neverwinter Nights 2 or something like that, and starts getting into the more advanced rule sets. Um, but I, I really enjoyed the fact that I really sometimes I, I'll play. You know, that's one of the reasons I like to play Icewind Dale. You get to make your own party. And then you get to go really crazy with classes and skills and spells and really creating the perfect party and really strategizing. Um, that's just something you don't really – that level of depth in, in, in strategizing your party and creating your party from scratch with a particular strategies in mind is not something you see too often today. Because the movement is towards simplification and, and making things more streamlined, which is, which is, which is understandable.
5: Hey, I think very deeply about my Dragon Age 2 party. I like to run with Isabella because she's hot.
4: Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. A lot of thought. Know, just it, right. It, it, it should also
2: be mentioned that if you're the type of person that is just whatever, for whatever reason, morally opposed to cheat codes, then the quick save key will become your best friend throughout these <laughs> games.
1: Yeah. Uh, Cooly, coolly, coolly. All right. Any last thoughts? Water's 2?
5: Go for the eyes, boo! Go for the eyes!
1: You know, I can edit that to make your voice really deep.
5: You can go ahead if you want.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Alright, well, I contemplate that particular possibility. We're going to take a moment to listen to some classic RPG music, and we'll be right back to wrap this up with the final lap. Welcome back. This is The Final Lap. This is where we do some housekeeping, talk about a couple of off-the-wall things, do some personal pimpage, so to speak, and um, (laughs) – I just like saying that and uh, and give you a little sneak taste on the next show. You just like
3: flouting the rules of the Mormons, don't you, Phil?
1: I do. Um, So So, uh, we we don't have any board comments really to read about the last – podcast, because due to some t- technical difficulties in scheduling and everything else, um, number 49 <laughs> will probably... It only went up last night. Yeah. It went up last night, so people haven't... Have, have, have we got any comments already? Is that... Is already I'm got, looking. We got
3: one from Legendary Zoltan who said he can't wait to listen to it, and that we should have asked him to join because he's practically the only person on Earth to have cleared the entire game of Alundra without a guide used ever. Oh, and he he proves that by saying that he was stuck at the Five Saints logic puzzle for two months. So, yes, you don't oh. use a guide, and that's what you get, stuck at one place for two months. Wow, there stuck at one
1: place, 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 place for two months. Wow. You know, Apparently, it was freaking epic. Freaking. Not just epic. Freaking epic. Indeed.
3: Wow. Truly, this is of a level that Homer could relate to. Don't. Don't. Wow. Well. And so dawn arose
6: with her rosy fingers, and the legendary Zoltan did sit and stare at this damned puzzle once again.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And yea, he did
3: decide, nay, I have tried another task for the day, and in a slightly different variance, but it did not work even now. I shall absent myself, and possibly drink heavily, to see if the solution doth come unto me.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. We you know we're gonna. Well, you know, I, I. It's funny He makes that comment. I'll, I'll touch on that in just a minute because he, he makes a point there. Um, but before I do that, let's uh, let's get let's get uh, something out of the way. RPG backtrack number fifty-one. Benjamin's B movies. Our next show. We're going to be talking about two square games focused on the U.S. market, um, specifically Final Fantasy, Mystic Quest, and Secret of Evermore. So. um... And some other game that we'll probably pick off the top of our head from the last, from the recent past section. So we'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks. If you have any thoughts, questions uh, that you would like to us address in talking about those two games, make sure you post those questions on our boards, or write me at jcservantrpgamer dot com. And uh, you know, I want to give you all just a couple minutes for any anything you want to share with our audience, any personal pimpage, any projects you're working on, or experiences you want to share. Miss Becky, we'll start with you.
5: Well, I recently played through um, the first DLC adventure for Dragon Age 2, called Dragon Age 2 Legends, and I was shocked to learn that it's actually decent. Oh! <laughs> Legacy.
0: Legacy. Really? Huh? Decent? Legacy, Le-
2: not Legends. Legends is oh, the Legacy, Facebook not game. Oh, Legacy,
5: not Legends. Sorry. Yeah, Legends is a Facebook game. Don't play that. Um, <laughs>
4: it's not cool at all.
5: No, it kind of sucks. Legacy is the DLC, oh. and it's actually decent.
4: Mm.
2: It's really oh,
5: that's good. Surprised. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Especially because the Dragon Age 1, Dragon Age Origins DLC, most of it wasn't all that great. This one actually, like, it's fully voice acted. There's actually new scenes with a bunch of your companions. And uh, it's kind of a little, there's kind of a little surprise twist at the end. It's, it's kind of cool.
2: It, it is easily on par with all the ME, ME2 DLC they've done. Hmm.
1: Um... Anything that you're doing on the site uh, lately,
5: Becky? That you want to share? Read
1: the news. Read the news. <laughs> Becky's all over the news.
5: That's that's what I'm doing for the site. <laughs> As I'm the news director or something. I don't
1: know. That's right. Silly stuff. Any any cool news lately? We should be knowing about.
5: <laughs> well, have you visited our Diablo three uh, news story yet? <laughs> the
1: one where we pay for gold. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. I'm
5: That's just kind of the big news right now. Put me down
1: on the record is, well. I, I, you know, I'll have to see more detail. Man, on one hand, yeah. I've got a lot of faith in, in Blizzard, and I love StarCraft too. They've taken a, they've taken a game that I would never normally play multiplayer in, and because of the way they set up the, set the whole system up, um, I play multiplayer in a different, in a multiple, multiple different ways. I love that game. With that being said. <laughs> the idea that I can jump in a Diablo and someone just happened to have more cash and be more powerful than me, and I understand this is not a competitive game, but I'm just the kind of person, and call me old school or something, I'm just the kind of person that if I'm playing a cooperative game, if the person playing with me is twice as powerful as I am, that's no longer fun. I'm basically his summoned pet and not his comrade-at-arms. So uh, that's that's just me. And granted, that's a problem with Diablo anyways because somebody who has a lot more time on their hands is going to be a higher level and or have better gear anyways. I think just giving people a way to buy that just makes it to where you're going to run into more of those people because there's more ways now for them to get up. But that's just me. And then, of course, you can look at the class, have empty class have full. Some people can say, well, Phil, at least the people who don't have the time to make it up to that level can now simply buy their way into good equipment or something like that. So – um, I, I tend to look at it as half empty though. I, I think when you start putting things up for sale like that, it becomes kind of like a, a, an auction, you know, where people start bidding and stuff, and it just gets higher and higher.
5: Uh, well, you that actually—that actually is exactly how it works. It's going to be an auction house. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, that's just ugly. What are your feelings on that, Beck? Um, I don't really care that much about the auction house, one way or the other. Um, I philosophically have more pro- more of a problem with it requiring always on internet. I think people should be able to play their darn single-player game offline if they want. And if they didn't want offline characters going into the online game, then just force you to make a choice at character creation and make you stick with it. Too bad.
1: (laughs) Wow. It's essentially becoming an MMO.
5: Yeah, they're they're pretty much... I personally think that Blizzard has way too much of a focus on gaming as an eSport these days. And because they're trying to, like, desperately to make sure that no one can cheat, they're basically putting in stuff that's annoying to a large portion of their fan base that doesn't really care what the rest of the fan base is doing and just wants to play by themselves or with their couple of friends on a land game which you can no longer do Stuff You're like here.
4: that
5: yeah so i mean i've never played diablo with strangers i don't see the point i've only ever played it with friends
4: hmm.
1: interesting all right and uh, let's go on to mr scott have any thoughts you'd like to share with the audience today <laughs>
6: Well, uh, speaking of pimps... Uh, Pimpage! Pimpage, I've got a little side project going in uh, partnership with Mr. Tony Mast, Pimp of the Internet.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: I'm revu- I am uh, reviewing movies in 15 minutes or less with my friends pretty much right after I walk out of the theater for dot com. Mm, show's called
4: cool.
6: Backseat Quickies. You can check it out. Uh,
4: Roy!
1: Roy, are you there? R- Roy should share in this moment, but he's not there. Roy's not there. Yeah, oh, Roy, oh, right, Wait. You hear what he said? You hear what he's talking about? S- say it again, Scott.
4: I'm here. I'm did, here. What did,
1: what did you hear Scott said? Fifteen minute reviews. He's talking
2: about getting a quickie in the back seat.
1: No, no. Roy. He's doing. <laughs> <sighs> Fail, Roy. Okay. He's talking about doing quickie reviews for movies. This is what we were talking about for games. This is awesome. Okay, keep going, Scott. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, that—that's basically the whole patch. Is okay. I
6: remove movies really fast
1: (laughs) cool is there a place they can go to 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 catch some of this stuff uh
6: yeah it's com. it goes up noonish on tuesdays Cooly,
1: coolly go check it out captain america coming soon uh just dropped today yay see they were all over that stuff mr nathan oh wait before i move on uh mr scott um You're the pen and paper person, right? We had lots of talks about it. Yeah, you're the one. Okay. Um, Got my Ultimate Combat book from Pathfinder today, plus some more campaign books and my Ultimate Goblin guide. So I'm all pimping with my Pathfinder stuff. Hopefully Ultimate Combat will be better than Ultimate Magic. I was a little disappointed with Ultimate Magic. Definitely very Ultimate.
6: I got *Doe Pilgrims of the Flying Temple* today, my hardcover, which has my name in it because I gave him twenty bucks.
1: <laughs> call me when you call me if you want a podcast with a good review on these things, <laughs> Mister Nathan. Anything you want to pimp?
0: Um, uh, nothing to pimp really. Haven't <laughs> playing *Fall Fantasy twelve again because I don't know. Apparently, people like it, even though you know it's my least favorite *Fall Fantasy game by a pretty significant margin. So decided so to give it another shot.
5: You know what we should shoot that together <laughs> I'm I like think, I think Becky's going to take issue with that what i I just went a f k to turn off the t v for a second. What happened?
3: Nathan said that Final Fantasy XII is his least favorite final fantasy,
5: final final fantasy? Than
1: two i to two the most nathan you're, you're you're commanded to go and play two so at least you can say it isn't your worst final fantasy any longer. Just, I said
0: I, I just said I'm replaying Dynasty Twelve just to you know maybe change things. Need a break?
2: I, yeah, Nathan, I can guarantee to you that if you play two, Twelve will cease to be your least favorite. She
0: was kind of charming though. It's old school. It's saga like.
1: Uh, it's it's definitely interesting because yeah, that Twelve is that Twelve. Yeah, Twelve's the one where you, uh, you you know it's kind of got an open world, kind of an MMO feel to it, but you're controlling three people at once. And that's that's pretty neat. You set up your little gambits and stuff, and that's kind of irritating that you have to unlock them all first. But
5: I, twelve I, is twelve is better. The more you get into it, if you're yeah. into the kind of gambit stuff, which I kind of got into when I was playing. Exactly, um, it, it's more fun after you've played it for a while if you have the patience to make it that far.
1: Yeah, it's a it's definitely so, a, a right. slow. Yeah, but it, once you get once you get a good once you get a good selection of gambits. Um, you don't mind the grinding nearly as much simply because you just run into stuff and your guys pretty much do most of the work and you only have to jump in once in a while.
2: Let's just say
3: two will most definitely be grindy. You will need to clonk yourself on the head many, many, many times
0: to get through two.
1: Hey, all, I mean, not all, but most JRPGs are grindy at some point, you know. Heck no,
0: yeah. that's not true at all. Yeah, most. I've argued that with you before, so we don't need to repeat this again. Most
1: RPGs require you at some point to go and kill a bunch of stuff. That's just that's just the way it is. You just got to go and kill stuff, whether you take your time going through a dungeon, searching every corner, or you purposely run in circles, you know, to get some extra levels to beat that boss. uh, There, there is, you know, when you walk into any dungeon, you're going to fight twenty to thirty things. What I like about Final Fantasy XII is a lot of those games do come down to attack, attack, and heal at certain points, and oh, cast fire if you know something's weak against fire. Final Fantasy XII lets you set up gambits for all of this simple brain work so that a lot of that stuff happens automatically and you only have to kick in when something gets out of control or you fight something particularly uh,
0: difficult. I, I guess my problem with it is because that generally it is more built around that kind of style of just attack, 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 and I kind of like it how a lot of RPGs have moved past that. And a lot of other Final Fantasy games have moved past that a long time ago, so... Uh, what, little...
1: what games before Final Fantasy 12 did that, move past that? I mean, Final Fantasy X was still attack, attack. I mean, you're still choosing options from a menu. It's still attacking uh, well, and at healing.
0: Least, hey, wait a second. It's, like, it's like, even like, say, as early as, well, almost all the SNES ones, honestly, especially the Four Remake, that's an awesome one. I've mm-hmm. at least added some depth beyond that, so there's other options. So, like, if obviously 12 actually strips out all of the options other than attack, attack, and occasionally throw magic. And it's like... the Oh, yeah,
5: d- d- just get later in the game. It gets, more, it gets more complicated, and you will need to do a lot more stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, it definitely is slow to get off the ground. Uh, and, and, and Slow it-
0: to get off the ground is another stream considering the first playthrough I put 60 hours into the game, and it felt like I was going nowhere.
1: Oh, well, now 60 hours, yeah, you definitely would have been, hopefully, far enough into, because, yeah... No, I mean there definitely are other options and and you unlock skills and and ultimate skills and summons and you know, you definitely have other options at your command. And generally speaking, I would just do the attack and I would I would gambit up for attack, attack, heal. And you could set up even more complicated gambits for dealing with, like, blindness and things like that. And that was kind of cool. But then when you run across, you know, particularly tough situation, whether it was a tough dungeon or a tough monster or something, that's when I would jump in. I could interrupt any time I wanted to and say, okay, summon this now or do this ultimate break now. But you're right, Nathan. It did feel, I guess, for lack of a better description, uh, when you compare it to... You know, maybe some of the other Final Fantasies or something like that. I, I guess you. I felt like I did a lot more combat, and so that, in effect, makes it feel more grindy.
4: Anyway,
5: maybe we should get on with closing the show. Maybe not. Maybe we'll just keep going, Becky. Dang. Well, then I'm going to bed.
2: <laughs> well, the, the best yeah, part Phil, of 12, I, everyone I think knows. I Final Fantasy
3: 12 here. will get its day in the sun someday. Then we can yak about it all we want.
1: Mr. Roy. Yes? What, do you have any final thoughts for everybody?
2: Um, well, I can officially announce that the legendary Zoltan won the Sanctum's music contest. Mm-hmm. He created a new opening and closing piece for us. And I'm also working on building a project for the Sanctum in Minecraft.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, you told me a bit about that. Sounds exciting. Uh, cool. Mr.
4: Mikey.
3: Uh, tomorrow morning I ate to experience the great game of Jury Duty Summons. Uh. Ugh. <laughs> it, it's a wonderful game. I've experienced it before. It involves a lot of sitting around and waiting for things to happen. I've never gotten
5: to do Jury Duty. I want to try it sometime.
3: I was, I was called Bring for it, it and then
6: tanked it based on, I think, my medical. <laughs> so, Damn
2: so it. Whatever.
4: What Why do I have to be, be in good guess?
2: health,
3: good enough health that I can't get out of jury duty that way? <laughs> Wait, that's actually a good thing. Sure.
5: <laughs> I'm, I, I'm probably too opinionated to actually make it onto any trials anyway, but you know.
3: Uh, I know. You know the, the, the attorney might just say, are you sure you have absolutely no doubt within you when you see a defendant that you instantly make a decision? <laughs> And again, I'm not I'm not a court attorney so I don't know what they'd say. I don't think it's fair that I precip- precipitate in jury duty because I'm a hologram. <laughs> I uh, would be great juror sure because I can spot guilty people like that. Ah, <laughs> oh,
1: boy.
2: Um and you could suddenly develop cancer.
1: Shoot.
3: And yeah, my- I, I could stick a hand into the microwave for a while and see what happens.
1: They will the cancer that way. Um so my personal thing for the week, or the two weeks or whatever, um is is I actually finished a game. I actually played a game from beginning to end in one weekend, which I, I can't remember the last time I did that, much less finished a game. Um I'm just so busy lately, and by the time I get back to a game I forgot where I was at, and I just don't feel like going back to it. Uh but uh, this is uh the game I played was Catherine. Um, I picked it up in a store, kind of an impulse buy, and I kind of like the idea of going through I figured with the puzzle-based mechanics, it probably wouldn't take nearly as long as a as an RPG. <laughs> and I was right. Um,
3: it's got... So, Phil, uh, is Catherine the uh, Great?
1: The Great? Catherine the Great. Yeah, I never heard. Um, was like, Catherine about was the So-So... So. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Um, so, uh, I mean... Long story short, I've got – actually wrote up, and when I say a quick review, I guess a quick review is like a thousand words or something. (laughs) But um, probably not that many words. But I did put up a review on the board. You can just do a search for Catherine and whatever. I'm sure it will pull right up. But um, uh, long story short, I really like the fact that you've got a really beefy – rpg size story in there with lots of characters supporting cast each one's got their own story there's some development it's not going to be as deep as some of the better longer epic like Bottersgate. gate you know it's not, it's not quite that deep but it is definitely media it's well done and it's well produced um and i just wanted to see what was going to happen next i was really drawn into the story uh whereas with an rpg you have to go through hours and hours of dungeon and Catherine, the the combat resolution if you want to use that in quotation marks is him dealing with his nightmares and dreams and the mechanic there is kind of a puzzle-based mechanic because you are climbing up these walls and stairs moving blocks around to do so uh that part of the game i i play the occasional puzzle game i'm I'm pretty decent at them uh but with Catherine, they're pretty darn hard so and i had heard that from somebody ahead of time so i started the game off in an easy mode which allows you to go back a couple of moves that's very handy uh, apparently there is a quote-unquote very easy mode you can read the board uh, after my review someone had posted up there how to do that which i wish i had known earlier but the whole uh, you know i i really did enjoy getting through those uh, puzzles some of those puzzles when i beat them it was just like awesome you really felt like you accomplished something and he was saying how he uh, what's his name that we were reading zoltan was saying how he got through that one game without Reading, um, without reading anything and trying the same thing for two months. In Catherine, there was a couple of times where I had to walk away or take a little nap or grab a bite to eat and come back down and and give it a little bit of a fresh attack, and I could get through. Using that, I walked away two or three times and I got through the entire thing in one weekend. I did look up one particular puzzle, it's a very small but very tough one. Uh, after I spent 20 minutes with it, I did break down, just look it up on YouTube and uh, and figured it out from there. Um, I, I'm. I'm just. I just want to c- clarify this.
6: They they sold a copy of Catherine in Utah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you just got to go into the forbidden room. Yeah, they they card you to make sure you're not an active member of the church, and they let you in. It's awesome. <laughs> um, actually, it was just one copy left at Best Buy, and so they were. They must have been selling pretty good because I had been in there earlier uh, in the week when they had just got the shipment in, and they had like five or six copies. So they must be selling, you know, between all the EB games and stuff. There must be, must be a few Utahns by. Do you know that Utah has the highest pornography use per person? I'm sorry, we're getting off on a tangent. That does not. Surprise um. Me, actually. <laughs> anyways, my whole check out my review. I gave it a, a 4.5. I just—it's an unofficial review on the boards because it's not really an RPG. I just posted up on the board, Uh, but it is done by our good friends at Atlas. And and quite frankly, Catherine has as many. Your your decisions make a big play in which way your character turns, which Catherine he goes after, what his personality is like. There's a lot of choices. You get text messages you got to respond to. Uh, It's kind of like the daytime. The half of the game is kind of very similar to Persona Three or Four, where you have these social interactions and they are important to the development of the other characters into the main story and plot. But it night instead of going into a dungeon that takes hours to get through uh, and really makes the game really long instead you got these puzzle things that especially if you're a little quick on your feet and uh, you can get through much faster and these puzzles they're kind of there is an urgency to get through them quickly because you do have nightmares chasing you and and blocks falling off and things like that so it's puzzles with a sense of urgency it's not the greatest mechanic in the world but it's 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 okay It, it definitely has its moments so check it out Catherine it's your friend um okay so that's our plugs. I thank all of you guys for being on the show today. Of course, I also always thank my co-host, Mr. Mike Mickey because he's the one who does all the organization, puts together our wondrous skits, and organizes our ensemble of RP Game staff members that makes this work each and every single time. We could not do this without him. Um and to our audience, you guys, we thank you for listening to us drone on and on and on. Uh as always, you're the reason we do this. Do us a favor, rate us on iTunes. Right on our boards, let us know that you're listening and what you think. RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email gcservant at rpgamer.com and help shape our future shows. Don't forget to follow us at twitter.com slash rpgamer and become our biggest fans. Click that little fan button at facebook.com slash rpgamer. As always, listen to all 49 of our previous podcasts, as well as our awesome sister shows RPG Cast and RPG Sanctum, at RPGamer.com. Mister Mike, take us home.
3: One of the series we talked about today has aged beautifully. The other has aged uh, not so beautifully, but both of them are extremely important. One of them has a is recommended by everyone who has played it. The other should probably be experienced just for a slice of history because. It's a lot more fun than most historical examinations. And this has been our silver anniversary.